good evening, good afternoon, and uh, Merry Christmas, listeners. <laughs> this is <laughs> commentary. Uh, about um, 50 weeks or too early, you think? I'll tell you what, I don't. I, I feel so Christmassy. I'm <laughs> feeling very festive. I mean, to be fair, like, uh, I mean, yes, we did miss the Christmas period for this, but um, for our Christmas commentary, by the way, folks. Um, it'd, still be re- it'd still be released as the Christmas commentary <laughs> as well. We could but, be advanced and do it for next Christmas. Fair, with this particular film, I, I, I was thinking, oh, it's all right, because it kind of has a bit of a hangover to New Year's anyway. I was thinking, you, you kind of do as a New Year's comedy. I think it's just kind of like, I think we've we're gone on a bit too long of, now. I think we're a little bit lucky in that it's just by luck it's this one. Had it been next year in your choice and Jingle All The Way or Scrooged, then <laughs> mid-January does Yeah, I know, but well, last year, Scrooged, that's what I meant. If it had been either side of it, I think no one's going to want to listen to that in January, but Trading Places does work year-round. It's not specifically, I mean, it's set around that time of year, but it's not it's when you think of Christmas movies. Christmas films, but it's not a Christmas film. No. Having said that, I was, I was looking at new on Netflix the other day, and they've just started restreaming Arthur Christmas, and I thought, oh. why, why now? That mm. was like yesterday or something, like 11th of January or something. Christmas. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, it's been really popular with kids. Anyway, so, uh, this was your pick, wasn't it, Dave? Yeah, it was my pick. I don't know. It might even have been a couple of years ago. I've got a fair idea. I had a fair idea. I wanted to cover it. It's a it's a favourite of mine anyway. I mean, Eddie Murphy opened with three blinding films. Uh, you know, his film career just opened with uh, Forty Eight Hours, This, and Beverly Hills Cop, and sort of that and coming the, to America. There was a forgotten one, wasn't there? It was like a John Landis kind of film that completely with Eddie Murphy in a tank. I seem to remember that was Best Defense. Oh, was that... That, that that was a Dudley. Oh, I've never Moore... seen that. As I recall, that was a Dudley Moore film that sort of sat on the shelf for a year or two because it was shite, and then they sort of hired Eddie Murphy in to shoot a load of stuff to try and salvage it. Like they're, that, you know, yeah, because um, Dudley Moore had two big hits at the start of his Hollywood career and then fell away to everything he did flopped, and Best Defense was one of those. But um, no, Trading Place has always been a bit of a favourite of mine. And I think as years go by, if we carry on doing this podcast, there's a de- there, there probably is a degree that the definition of a sort of Christmas film will loosen into kind of like a holiday film as well. Because I don't see any reason you can't do... I mean, Americans might notice a big difference, obviously, but I don't see why you can't do something like Planes, Trains and Automobiles as a Christmas commentary, even though it's... Um, Thanksgiving. You know, it, it's winter set and they're trying to get home for the holiday. I, you know what I mean? I'm not saying I'm picking that next, by the way, but I think something like that, that or, be a good one, or something, you know, I, I think you can be fairly loose on the definition, but if you want to tighten it, it up and do jingle all the way and are the Christmas and all that sort of thing, that's fine too. But trading places, I'm, I'm, we're lucky. It's a film you can do year round. I mean, you know, the whole idea of what makes a Christmas film is very loose anyway. I mean, like one of these discussions about whether, is this a Christmas film? Is that a Christmas film? You know, that, yeah. that I see break out on Twitter every single year. I just think yeah. no, no one's really talking about the heart of the issue. What are the grounds for a Christmas film? What, yeah. what, what What's the criteria? Because if, 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 yeah. you know, if it meets a certain criteria, then it's a Christmas film. If it's not, then anything's a Christmas film. 
anything anything you like to watch is it christmas movie is it halloween movie well anything you literally anything anything you'd like to watch around christmas time could be classed as a christmas film does on a majesty secret service count as a christmas movie because it's set around the festive period it could do i mean like you know why why not christmas trees in it and stuff like that but then you guys merry christmas to 07 also i wrote an article for set the tape on why it is actually the perfect christmas movie which i shared because it was very good thank you very much um that was last year, wasn't it? That was. Or the year um, before? No, it was last year. It all blurs into one. You wrote an article this year fairly recently that I liked as well, but I can't remember what that was now. No, Because yeah. it was a few weeks wrote, ago. Wrote one article a year for them. Yeah, no, you did do the Christmas one. But then I could understand if you're a big Bond fan, watching on, and you're not watching sort of a It's a Wonderful Life or something, I can totally imagine you might finish Majesties and stick for your eyes only on. Because it, there's a lot of it set in snow. It follows on anyway, in that it starts with him at Tracy's grave anyway. Um, and you could totally make that a bit of a Christmas film for yourself, just because of the look and feel of it. You know, winter sports and all that sort of thing. So, oh, why not? Well, you know, for that matter, any bomb film could be a Christmas film, because it's usually on... It's usually, there was, used to be always one around the holiday time, so you used to oh. throw in a Christmas film around bomb. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. It might remind you of Christmas because that's when you used to watch it with Dad or whoever. But um, oh, I struggled to think of Thunder was a Christmas film. Yeah. <laughs> sea diving in the Bahamas. Um, but yeah, um, or License to Kill or anything like that. But there you go. Uh, yeah, so <coughs> it's trading places tonight. And sorry, folks, we're a bit late with it. I, we just before we go into it, just a word on future schedule and. We're not going to go into why we've been delayed and all the rest of it, but just take it as read. We weren't all available together over Christmas. Um, and we had various problems last week when we were actually ready to record. So we're still yet to record the Star Wars rankings. What I think we'll do is put this show out, tonight's show, as soon as possible, because it won't take a lot of editing. Uh, but then you may have a week and a half's wait or something for like the rankings, because we've got to get together still to do them. And we'll take it from there. So sorry about the delays, folks. Uh, and then we'll be back on with John Wick, won't we? Then we'll be back on with John Wick after we do the next, after we do the Star Wars ranking. But on this sort of schedule, it's probably not going to be out till the first weekend in February, anyway. Probably. Um, we'll see. We'll see. But that, but that. We'll see what we can do. But our our schedules have got more challenging. I think that's all we really need to say on the subject. Yeah, uh, but it it's signalling nothing other than it's a bit difficult. That's all. We just have to put a little bit of planning to what we're doing. It's mission difficult, not mission impossible. Absolutely. That's well what... said, Chris. Well said. Yeah. So yeah, uh, mind you, if you look back through our history, whatever happens, we release a very similar similar number of films each year anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so there's always gaps. It's just part of what we are. I'm afraid. So. so sh- should we get all festive? <laughs> I've, I've got my Santa hat on. I'm, I'm rocking a festive cold, so yes, let's. <laughs> I've got a glass of mulled wine, I guess. <coughs> that, was guess. That, is that like mulled wine or mulled wine? M U L L E D. Bread from purest mould. Wine left here from Christmas, it's gone nice and mould. Mouldy wine, Vinegar, isn't it? Yes. Okay. <laughs> I've I no idea. I've never had more wine. Is it any good? Oh, delicious! Drink it hot. 
it's if there's ever a christmas market near you try and get some it'll probably cost you like three pound for a small glass but it's it's basically hot spicy vimto that's, that's basically... yeah it's a little bit like that yeah that doesn't sound pitch, wildly like, appealing like I, do, I kind of like vimto but there you go all right then <laughs> it's, it's 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 worth a try you know you've got yeah, to try it once. <clears throat> let's put on a show let's get on with what <laughs> i thought you said the cook report <laughs> no. Are we doing investigative journalism tonight? <laughs> why, why not, Dave? Why not? Let's be Christmassy. Okay, That's so, uh, so um, I'm gonna uh, play on account of three. So on three. So, uh, listeners, if you're well, watch with us. When I say three, press play. Okay. So one, two, and three. What are you watching it on, folks? Blu-rays or what? I'm watching it on Now TV. I'm watching it on a rip, just the Paramount Ooh, logo stars. Yeah. yeah, I've just got the Paramount now. Yeah, uh, got, that's, uh, it's just gone to the sort of. Is this Beethoven? Uh, Bernstein, isn't it Bernstein? The oh, Philadelphia. Well, I haven't got the sound on, but I, I know the music I used for the uh, trailer, which I'm going to put out, and I think it's Burst Bernstein, isn't it? Yeah. I don't know if I, okay. I will check. Okie dokie. Oh look, they're enjoy- they're getting ready for Christmas as well, just like <laughs> just we, like we, we are. We are, yeah. We're we're getting we'll a get home for the Christmas stuff. period. Ro- Rocky's there jogging down the street. That's what it looks like actually. I don't remember that shot in this film. Dear dear. Can you imagine if all of Eddie Murphy's career had been this good? Can you imagine that? If uh, come back now, isn't he? I guess. Yeah, well, Dolomite is my name, and there's. Um, mm, there's I've seen it. Um, I. It was just nice to see him in a film that was making a full bloodied effort at something and was a bit more adult. I, I wouldn't say I actually loved the film, but I just loved the intentions of it. Um, and obviously, Coming to America's coming. That's a, that's going to be a Netflix, isn't it? Coming to America too. Oh, brilliant! Are you sure about that? Yeah, I, 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 I heard it was. Uh, by the way, it's Mozart, not Beethoven. Mozart, oh, okay. Yeah, but I don't know what music's playing because I've got the music on, but I thought there was some Bernstein on the um, soundtrack. But I don't know. Fun fact, folks. But uh, yeah, I, I quite enjoyed the Dolomite was the name. But, yeah, I know what you mean, Dave. It wasn't like it wasn't say... blinding, was it? It was just no, good, but, but it, it was good. It was good because it, I think it was like generally. It, it, you felt the the good intentions. You felt like it was something that they both kind of liked and and wanted wanted to pay tribute to. And and it was an actually nice reminder just how you know great a screen presence Eddie Murphy is. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it, it's still saying Paramount Pictures distributing. Yeah, except for the eighteenth, it will come out. I wonder if that means we'll get it on like Boxing Day or something. The thing is, it's going to be PG thirteen. That's the only doubts I've got. Plus, when did he father a kid? But there you go, anyway. Um, yeah, I've got I've got worries about it, but what's the worst that can happen? It's crap. You know what I mean? So yeah. <laughs> you know, I, and I never quite get it when people get pissed off about sequels and stuff like that. Don't, don't fucking watch it. Um, we'll just move on. You're just like, no, oh, they're I... worried about it messing with, you know. Although I have to say bringing Star Wars back has slightly damaged the original trilogy a little bit. 
you know, at the end of Return of the Jedi, you're like, well, your marriage fails and your kid's an evil twat and actually you haven't <laughs> beaten anyone and the Ed- Emperor's all right. And, yeah. Oh dear. Rocky, there he is. Hello, Rocky. <coughs> Denim Elliot was brilliant. Legend. Full stop. Um, but was bisexual in the era where AIDS was rampant. And not. Oh, I didn't uh, know that about him. Yeah, he was by. He died of AIDS. Oh, I wasn't aware. He was married, but he was bisexual. No, fair play to men as well. Living that lifestyle in such a difficult time. Yeah. Mm. We're just talking about where the highest rates of infections were. We're not making any generalities about people's sexuality, but it was, you know, it was a dangerous time in the eighties. Anyway, and he, he contracted it and died in ninety-two. I think. Mm. Much yeah. missed. Much loved character yeah. actor. Yeah, it's amazing. Dan Aykroyd balances a really cl- clever role here, just because he's really not likable, is he? <laughs> he's no, he's a an ass, isn't he? Yeah. Sometimes you forget how good Dan Aykroyd is when he's in when he's in something that's really good. No, he's yeah. fabulous. Yeah. Um, I mean, he's got one of them like really kind of car salesman's voice where he just talks at one hundred mile per hour. Yeah, but um, but when yeah, you look at this, then look at Ghostbusters, mm. then look at like the Blues Brothers, very yeah. very different parts. They handles them all really well, and just feels so natural as well. Imagine Denim Elliot just going, "The royal penis is clean." <laughs> <laughs> but he plays really good pompous though, like yeah, really like the bit that we always sort of like that man trying to have sex with me. <laughs> yeah. Thing is, his life doesn't look fun. Yeah, it doesn't actually look particularly enjoyable, does it? No. It's very comfortable, but yeah, it's not very enjoyable, as you say. Mm. Uh. This, I always thought of this, I used to think of this when I used to go to work at a certain place where my desk was just a little bit too far up the corridor and I'd almost run out of words to say hello with because I didn't want to say morning, 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 morning. morning. So, so I was literally like one bank of desks away from top of the morning to you, I think, because <laughs> I was just running out of ways to say hello to people. Hi. Howdy. Howdy. Good day. <laughs> By the end of it, you're like, honey. Ciao. You know, finger, gun. Ciao. Fing, finger guns. You know. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, just just the cheeky little sort of like wink and a click. Buongiorno. Well, <laughs> <laughs> it is, you don't want to do it. Uh, because I always thought of this film. I think the first time I probably did that. I probably walked up my morning. Morning. Uh, uh, I, morning I suppose I'd want to think of this. I suppose a way around it could you just be like, just like sort of like uh, gently like acknowledge everyone's names, like sort of like Mike, Steve, Mike, Steve, Ted, Bob. Yeah, yeah. yeah like, like a... There's six people on each bank of desk. There's two parallel either side of me. I'd be going at <laughs> hell of a speed. You said everybody, Steve. Bob, Bob, Bob. Yeah, I'd never noticed before that Dan Aykroyd's uh, got the same photo of his girlfriend in the in like where he's being shaved at home and at the office. It's an identical print. Oh, fun fact! It's probably because they couldn't have didn't have a different photo, so they just reused it. Yeah. 
might have been, it might be that there's just, it, I mean, it's just a sort of almost subliminal. There's no um, spontaneity in their lives. Yeah. See, look how Christmassy it is. <laughs> Snow. Lots of it. And TVs and cars. That's how 80s this is. This is very 80s. You may be on a. You may be on a. Um, you might be on a PAL version of this, Chris, if you've got ahead of me, because I don't think I've seen the TV yet. Maybe I have. There you go. The screens yeah. have just come on. When do we sell? Cannot believe how stupid these scientists are. Pork so, bellies. I knew it. Yeah, I don't care about heredity versus environment. That's where I am. I just love the, the the punchline to this whole thing that their whole bet is a dollar. Yeah, that's crazy, isn't it? I know. Sell, sell, sell. Yeah, they're looking at the pork belly. I wonder how they do it. It's probably all on your phone now, isn't it? How would you do it? I don't know how. Yeah, I, 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 to be honest, I don't really know. I trade in works. I mean, I got the vaguest idea, you know, but. You know, if I started trying to explain it to somebody, I would sound painfully uninformed. Mm. <laughs> Likewise, unfortunately. Mm. You know. I, I think I think it's probably the basis of it is quite simple. It's just basically gambling. It's basically supply and demand. Yeah, yeah, that's that's probably all I could tell you. <laughs> yeah, but um, I, I mean, you wouldn't know what to do if you actually would try to do it, but. I think yeah. I think you understand the the general principle, which is just kind of like yeah. no no when to. But they haven't bought all those pork bellies. They don't just deliver them, do they? Can you imagine <laughs> that? a load of pork not? bellies turned up? You bought you, you bought them. Pardon me, sorry. That is a nice office, though. Roaring open fire. Nice it? roaring fire. Mmm, tasty. He's just sort of placing a kiss on his girlfriend's. Yeah. I'll try and mute when I cough. Sorry. So I'm doing the same. I've got the sound turned down a little bit, so hopefully <clears throat> there isn't too much leakage on my side. I think it's he's a, it's a, he's asked about Vietnam or something, isn't it? And where he's trying to explain what like regiment he was in and shit. That's really funny. <laughs> <laughs> They ask him what war. It's like, well, <laughs> yeah, he's something, 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 unit battalion. <laughs> <laughs> just making it up as he goes along. Yeah. Liberty and justice for all. Yeah. Eighteen three. Well, you know exactly where in New York that is, then. You could have fallen off there quite easily. See, this is the sort of club I'd like to be a member of. Not with these pricks, but like, there's something I quite like. The... It looks cozy. It looks cozy. Yeah. Open. I think fire. we should set up our own club. Just hire out a big hall like this and be like, ah. Yes. Yeah, that's as far as I've got. I haven't really thought of much. Yeah, else. no, it, it's almost like it's the first time you've thought about it. <laughs> a, lib- a library of books and films. I have to let other people join, but they'd have to drink our signature cocktail to prove they weren't. No there. one should have to drink that. <laughs> no. Warm it up, put it in the microwave for a minute and eat some of it, I suppose. <laughs> eat some, yeah, eat some fish. That's good for you. But no, we have our own club. It's our lovely fan base. 
I, I, I could just picture like us, like you know, uh, just sitting there in our like suits, uh, you know, in these ground oak chairs and sort of uh, behaving off uh, formal like, and just sort of reading like copies of the Viz rather than Wall Street Journal. So. <laughs> Is that me you're referring to? Uh, oh, <laughs> I, I was referring to all of us, really. You do kind of like accuse me of reading Viz uh, accurately. <laughs> but, but, well, I do but I, a lot of links to them. Well. I'd I'd be inclined to enjoy you and uh, join you in that in this occasion. Yeah. I'm gonna read. I'm gonna read. Yeah. Sipping brandy while like reading. Ooh, it's a bit like it's it's a a bit like um, you know Alan Partridge. I'm gonna read the fat slags on the veranda. (laughs) (laughs) Simon Heckler in his case. be honest, you should be allowed to go in there in like a dressing gown or pyjamas or something if you're comfortable. You shouldn't have to sit with like starch shirts on and shit. I don't know. I don't think it's like the done thing, is it? I've never noticed before. I don't think they drink alcohol. I think they're drinking small glasses of milk, though. Uh, could be. Yeah, that's not, that's yeah. like, something like white Russians or something cookies. like that. Could be white Russians. Clarence Beeks. Hold on, we know that guy. Yeah, he still hasn't delivered the crop report. No, I think we need to kick him out the backside. Say, oh, get on with it. Yeah. These for two. For anyone listening, Clarence Beeks has a terrible taste in films. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> these two really do remind me of like villains from an old-fashioned film. Yeah, they're the a little 50s. bit. So it's almost it's almost like it's full of a life esque, though that kind of era. Certainly, Ralph Bellamy <clears throat> could have played a Mister Potter or something. Either yeah. of them could really. Um, how many years they lived after this? They were quite an advanced age here, I think. But it was cool. It was just cool the little things seeing them in um, coming to America. Mm. So that's in the same continuity, basically. Then, right? Though it's just a little joke, really. Winthorpe is a very steady young man, that's where we are. Actually, there is a point to this. It's a film that I'm surprised hasn't been remade in more different ways. You know how there's like several different versions of Brewster's Millions and stuff like that, and you get several different versions of body swap films as well, like Freaky Friday and Vice Versa and all the rest of it. I'm surprised there haven't been more films with this basic premise. Well, it's Prince of the Pauper, isn't it? That's basically the concept. Well, I guess it is, actually. But I'm just thinking in recent years. I'm not talking yeah. about historically and literature. No, no, but, but you're right. that you know, Films always get, like, sort of you know, redone, you know, yeah. over again or sort of re, yeah. reimagined. And yeah, this, I, I can't think of a... of a, like, a, a Prince of the Pauper type thing that's done, like, at no. least mainstream, anyway. No. I love the fact he's basically doing a Stevie Wonder yeah. impression. There. He used to do that in a stand-up, didn't he? He, used to he did. Like... He did. Um, I mean, Cosby's the one he's still best known for because it's so over the fucking top. <laughs> and oh, he brilliant. Goes, yeah, and that's he, probably yeah. my favourite. He does do an uncanny Richard Pryor as well. Yeah, oh, yeah. It is, like, uncanny. You shut your eyes, it's Richard Pryor. Special, like, unit special unit battalion. Special unit battalion. Oh, I'm just making it all up. 
was Agent Orange. <laughs> yeah. Special Agent Orange. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we used to sort of like, um, uh, sort of copy Richard Pryor, didn't he? When he still like you know, as a kid, he used yeah. to listen to his I, records I and all delirious. He just said, I, "He just said I wanted to be Richard Pryor, but I hadn't done anything yet. So all I could do was, <laughs> was something about taking a shit." And then he does a long Richard Pryor esque bit about taking about a shit, and it's as funny as anything else. <laughs> really, really good. <laughs> yeah, but see, it's, I mean, even though it is just about taking a dump, he's like, "Fucking hell, but that's still funny." <laughs> <laughs> You know when that water splash on your ass? Doesn't make you mad, right? (laughs) This probably isn't too far wrong how scared of the poor the rich are. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, fuck. Well, he's such a sheltered character, isn't he? He's like... Well, I thought that about the two old men. When it when when it looks like they're drinking milk and cookies, it's like they've almost never grown up. They're going to yeah. have a childish bet over someone's life, two people's lives. Although obviously they're improving one of those lives temporarily uh, for a dollar. Mm. Well, that's just like disconnected. They're like they're in, they're, they're in their own little sort of world, aren't they? So they don't really sort of think about anyone else. But it's never. He won't. He, I, I. I bet he's. There's nothing in this film. To, well, apart from a few verbal jokes to suggest that the character is in any way deeply racist. But of course, he's never even around his own. He's only ever around his own race. Yeah. As well. I mean, just look at that. It's just basically white men everywhere. Um. he's got he's got a proud history Eddie Murphy of going into places and behaving slightly embarrassingly it reminds me of Beverly Hills Cop that he goes in and pretends to be gay telling me telling him I've got herpes simplex 10 (laughs) (laughs) I think you should tell him that yourself I think that'd be best (laughs) Uh, I, I can't imagine many people listening haven't seen it but again we do have people of different ages and stuff listening but I mean of the three I think 48 hours is the lesser I, I, I think of the three that's probably the weakest and that's still really strong yeah and then you've got this which hopefully you're watching along with us at some point and Beverly Hills Cop was absolutely superb neither of the sequels were but the first one was brilliant well what what makes it great uh, we might might do it as well at some point, but what makes it great is uh, Eddie Murphy is pretty much like ab libbing through the entire thing. Yeah, he is, and, and, and the, the the story is basic. As the anything. story's really basic, and in fact, he's there trying to help out, trying to investigate in the case yeah. of somebody who was shot and and was a complete asshole. Yeah. Um, I mean, if it was just on the story and they'd done the original version with Sylvester Sloan or whatever, it would have been nothing. But I just I love it when he goes into the Beverly Hills Hotel and they won't give him a room, and then he just launches into this massive rant about how he was writing an article on Michael Jackson and you know and all this sort of stuff, and now I'm going to say they're racist, you know, and all that kind of shit. It's really really funny. But the sequels and, and, he, and he's really good in it as well. He's like he, he does sell. You know, I I love the character that yeah. that just happens. For, it, it it comes from the basic generic of the story, but it comes from 
Eddie Murphy just ab-living and just yeah. sort of yeah. creating it. Uh, you get this really kind of like really kind of complex character. Well, I wouldn't say complex, but it's it, it, it's a character that's both tough, intelligent, but yet likes to just sort of like piss people off because that's yeah. well, that's just how he why because he actually grew up wrong side of the tracks yeah. and then decided to become a cop. Yeah, and clearly didn't have much or any of a rap sheet and got away with that, and then sort of. Um, you know, became a cop, but he yeah. still he still got a bit of the street about him. Uh, not meant in any colloquial term. I just mean that, like, from when he was the bad yeah. side of the track, so he still shit talks people and chances his arm and stuff like that. And 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 is good in the fight, not yeah. but not in a kind of like, oh, that's fucking so unrealistic way. He's yeah. just generally yeah. handy, handy, and yeah. and actually, he always gets a strong sense of loyalty with him because if, if throughout the series and well, in the first one as well, it's like he, he does honor. Oh, he nearly, he nearly loses his career entirely over yeah. that guy who, you know, sort of brought it on himself. But, uh, but, yeah, but there's also like a, like a code with him. Like no, 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 I understand that. Yeah. I, look how relaxed they are for dinner. <laughs> <laughs> it's very chilled out. Yeah. But how... But how, how She's I a mean, bit Scarlet O'Hara there. I, I always think of like how, how hard his butler works. Like Yeah. Yeah. Unsung hero of the scene. Yeah, her dress is very you know, I think you hit the nail on the head there, it's very much of that kind of era, isn't it, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Also the same as very eighties, but it all comes around again. It does. Yeah, I remember in the early nineties the, the dresses were very sort of forties and a lot of paisley and stuff like that and stuff. Yeah. So yeah, it does it does go <coughs> around. With slight variations, there's a lot of like 60s stuff come back again, isn't there now? So it's all going round. Anyway, he, he's about to knob her unimpressively. I am. <laughs> it is that? No, you haven't. Great. Yeah. I'm loving the wallpaper. <laughs> I didn't notice actually. Of course, I'm, he's in the kitchen now, chucking it in the bin. Hello. He does have a pained look on his face when he actually finds out what it is they're proposing and when he can't talk to Winthorpe and things like that. <clears throat> what a thing to do. Just what a thing to do, full stop. <laughs> I always find this funny. Doesn't he go in to talk to them or something like that and they're sort of midway undressed and stuff? Struggling to remember. Crop reports. His damn crop reports. <laughs> you have to message Stu and say, Clarence, where are those crop reports? I, I've been asking him for several years. It's uh, He's 37 years overdue at the moment. Mm. Tusk, tusk. <laughs> has, yeah. has anyone actually ever kissed anyone like that when he sort of leaned them in? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, just, uh, if you've ever tried this seduction technique, let us know. If you knob like John Dan Aykroyd, write to us and expect us to talk to you. <laughs> Mrs. Aykroyd might have a few things to say. <clears throat> 
Yeah, I mean, obviously you'll be guessing to a degree because I can't imagine you'll have watched a lot of him doing that. He's like, yeah, he looks really pained. Good night, so it's like your life is going to be ruined tomorrow. This has a feel of ad lib about it as well. What, in the police cell? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I am a chain belt in Kung Fu. <laughs> Officially, he was my teacher. Yeah. Is Eddie Murphy? Oh, do I need to, is it seem too noisy? Do I need to turn it down? No, no. I can't hear anything. Okay. Is Eddie Murphy gonna do stand up again? Do you think? Do you yes. Like warm up. Yeah. I sincerely hope so. So. He's at his best, surely, when doing stand up. I, mean, I, I was in America when um, it hit its 40th anniversary. SNL. Wow. Five years ago, so we were like watching it on TV. The whole like three hours or whatever it was, it was quite a big so event. It's huge over there, isn't it? And he came on to do. He appeared in a couple of sketches. I mean, they brought most of their famous cast who were still alive. Sort of appeared. I mean, he came back to uh, what's it called? Will Ferrell came back to do Jeopardy and all the rest of it. Um, and Eddie Murphy came on, and he was introduced. And there was a huge fanfare as he walked onto the stage, and then he sort of smiled a bit, and it went to commercials. Yeah. And he said afterwards, he, it, it, there was plans for him to do stand up, and he kind of bottled it. I, th- I think he openly admits he was yeah. nervous, and he was supposed to go on this Jeopardy sketch as Bill Cosby, but that was only a few months after all that broke about him. So he was he he kind of bottled out of doing that as well, and then of course that would presented- have been immense though. Like <laughs> yeah, he, he um he um did present it a few weeks ago though, so and it was good. Mm. So the the uh, the family dinner is the best sketch. I don't know if you've seen the sketches he did. The family I think I saw really some of them, a yeah. couple of them. The family dinner where they're all like being lovely to each other around the Christmas or Thanksgiving meal or whatever it is. And it just cuts to what their everyday life is like. And he's in a mixed race marriage, but they're both really fucking racist and stuff like that and screaming at each other. Um, yeah. I think his opening monologue, he revealed he now has 10 children, Eddie Murphy. <laughs> yeah, I think I think a lot of it was like, I think it's probably sort of speaks to his um, movie career so, uh, at a time. I think uh, he's kind of like refining his mojo. I think he just didn't know how to be funny anymore. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, all that family-friendly stuff he did didn't really work hugely. Mm. The Nighty Professor's got its fans, but... The first one was funny, to be fair. But... Um, I haven't seen it for a long time. But most of, most of that stuff wasn't very good. And um, it's just a waste of material, you know? And it, it you know... I mean, that is, his, his peak is higher than Richard Pryor's in terms mm. of films. But it reminded me of that. Because, like, Richard Pryor, they was such a talent and they couldn't really harness him on film properly. Um, yeah, I would say stuff. I'd say Murphy's built more of a movie star. Murphy's had well, I mean, he started off with three Stone Cold classics, yeah. and the, and he's had two or three thereafter as well. Um, so yeah, Richard Pryor doesn't have that. 
some people are a bit fond of stir crazy and that's about it really silver streak maybe a couple of the ones he did with uh, g milder and I'd Sigma actually, I'd, sorry superman 3 of course oh yes Don't forget that. yeah i i i i was i was taken in by his uh genius computer programmer <laughs> where's charm where with no actual just, training yeah, no actual training, but it's just something that like you could be a genius at without <laughs> any training and without knowing you're a genius. Like we now know it's all programming languages or something. It's like learning a foreign language, but no, he could just intuit it. Well, he he, he was basically sort of like Neo. He he just knew the Matrix, so he just sort of like, oh, I can I read it. do that, and he's like, I don't know, I just did. I'm 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 just typing in words. <laughs> And I love that they built the computer from napkins. That was brilliant. You know, from, <laughs> from stuff just scrawled on a napkin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't say that, man. He always had such an engaging smile as well. Yeah. <laughs> kind of like, that kind of like, yeah. But yeah, I mean, his peak kind of ended, I suppose, with Coming to America. But the first film where I remember when The Golden Child came out and it, it was really, really hyped. And when it came out and it was disappointing, everyone was shocked because he hadn't really done anything disapp- that disappointing at that point. Yeah. He had done best defence, I suppose, but I don't know if anyone. I don't think many people saw that. To be fair, yeah, I think I think that was that was a. Yeah, especially was especially given the fact that he was hired literally to try and save it, so it wasn't yeah. really like. He didn't actually do that many at his peak because you think Beverly Hills Cop is followed by The Golden Child, followed by Beverly Hills Cop Two, which I always remember being quite boring, but I haven't seen it for a long time. Um, Coming to America's next. And then it's Harlem Nights and Another 48 Hours. And those are the two films he referred to when he came back a year or so later and said, I made a couple of shitty films. And he means those two. But thereafter, it's really not good. Boomerang's got its fans, I know that. But then it's like The Distinguished Gentleman, Beverly Hills Cop 3, Vampire in Brooklyn, uh, Nutty Professor, fair enough, but Metro, Dr. Doolittle, Holy Man, Life, and then you've got Bowfinger, which is really good. Yeah, it's classic. Didn't get amazing reviews at the time, Bullfinger. Got a lot of like three star reviews and stuff like that. I think everyone it's one was of those like, like on home release. It's kind of found its second wind. Or yeah, it's kind of come to you know cult classic. Yeah. Oh, this is the best, one of the best lines in the film, but it's, it's really juvenile. But hey, bubbles! When I was a kid, <laughs> we wanted bubbles and a fart in the tub. When I was growing up, that's it. Yeah. Go to a jacuzzi. Jacuzzi. It's right, 80, so much chintz. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I just think you wouldn't call it a jacuzzi now. I mean, hey, it's a brand name anyway, but it also sounds a bit down market. Hot tub, hot so tub. I've got a well put. A hot tub sounds like a den of iniquity. When people say, <laughs> I've got a hot tub. Next door neighbour's got a hot tub. Yeah, yeah, they're all fucking in it constantly, probably. Have a look out your window, you might get a free show back <laughs> Well, not now. Obviously, they put it away for the winter time. But have they? Oh, is that because their knobs would look smaller? <laughs> That's because it's too cold. cold. Yeah. 
I'm quite happy to whip it out in the summer. Yeah, I thought you uh, could yeah, go in hot tubs in the winter anyway. Cause that's yeah, no, it's because um, we've got... Um, I've, yeah, sort of houses back onto the woodland and we've got this like really quite dodgily overhanging tree, so it's quite dangerous. But yeah, they're having some renovations at the moment and it's like, oh, we could do with that just now because <laughs> it is quite cold here at the moment. Yeah, I could do with that hot tub. But that happens to heart in the tub. Yeah, just hot tubs are just, you know, for late night parties. Oh, God, stereo. Oh, my gosh. How old is this film? Uh, 1983. Yeah, I was going to say, as old as me. 37 years at this point. Oh. Or 36 at the point where oh, we should point, have point, released point it. Five. Yeah. Excuse me. I don't know actually where they, I don't know where they filmed this. Is this a soundstage or an actual house? I don't know. Um, I don't know. It could be either, really, couldn't it? Have a look. See what can find. Hang on, trading places. I can't even remember where I first saw this, but it was the sort of thing that was on TV quite a lot yeah. when I was a kid. And again, you can show it any time of the year. In fact, it was released in in June. Made for 15 million, made 90. That's not bad. Oh, that's about I suppose. Uh, <clears throat> critical response is excellent, but you'd expect that. Uh, 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 uh. The film was originally called Black and White. Oh. I'm glad they changed that. Yeah. The script had been developed for Richard Pryor and Gene Wilder, but then Richard Pryor was involved in a severe accident. Do you think that's the time he set himself on fire? Um, You've heard that story, haven't you? Yeah. It's freebasing him to set himself on fire. Uh, yeah, it would be that, probably. Conventional felt Ackroyd, right, Landis. Paramount suggested Eddie Murphy... As a replacement, Landis liked him and pushed for Dan Aykroyd as a co-star. Paramount were reluctant as they felt Aykroyd would not work without John Belushi. Landis says conventional wisdom was that Aykroyd without Belushi was like Abbott without Costello and that his career was over. Yeah. Okay. Because um, Belushi was, was going to be in um, Ghostbusters, wasn't he? So, And yes, as he... was uh, Eddie Murphy. But because... Um... Because when Belushi died, out. yeah, uh, they got Bill Murray, and now that kind of left no room for Eddie Murphy because Eddie Murphy's going to be like the wisecracking one. Yeah. So, and the studio didn't want Jamie Lee Curtis because they thought she was just a horror star. Hmm. Yeah, she was a bit of a kind of screen queen, wasn't really. Landis wanted to cast a 1940s film star who'd never played a villain, and he thought of Don Amici. Uh huh. <clears throat> he looks incredibly different when he's young. Died aged 85 and 93, so about 75 here. Oh, okay. Ralph Bellamy, I thought, was older. Let me look. Ralph Bellamy was about 79 here. Probably a bit less when filming. And he died in 91. Oh, sad fact. Ah, uh, they were both well. In, uh, they were both uh, knocking on a bit when they died. So, that's cool. Anyway, hope you're all still feeling festive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, he's another he's guy. He's, Bloss. he's another guy in another uh, Christmas film. He's in a, he's in Die Hard, isn't he? The police chief. Which one are we talking about? The uh, the guy who, uh, who who's the security guy who they hired to frame. What Clarence Beaks? Yeah. Yes, he is, isn't he? Oh yeah. And the principal in the um, Breakfast Club. I think he's dead now. Yeah, he died not long ago. Yeah. Let's have a look. He. Hang on. Have a look on imdb.com. Forward slash. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Paul Gleason. Died in 2006, age 67. Oh. Which means he was about 44 here. Mr. Philom- that, that's he, he had the type of cancer you get from asbestos by the look oh, of it. Oh, God. I don't I know how you pronounce that. Mr. Philoma. Type of cancer that develops from the thin layer of tissue that covers many of the inter- internal organs. Horrible. Oh yeah, it's quite common down here because of the dockyard. I, like, mm. I, just, I went to school with a few people who lost their father to it because they were working with asbestos in like the early eighties and things like that. Yeah. And um, yeah, I keep forgetting he's he died. What the hell else was he in? So. Breakfast Club, I remember. I didn't see the Breakfast Club. Yeah, he was the principal in the Breakfast Club, wasn't he? Yeah. That's with the bull, you'll get the horns. Mm. Um, That's a great role. I've only ever seen that film once. I avoided it for years because... So good, um, so good. I I was a bit worried it would be... Do you know when you see, like, um, that montage of them dancing and pissing about? That's what the whole film was going to be. That yep. would have like pissed me off slightly, but no. I <laughs> well, it's always it's always parody, isn't it? Like, who's going to like a TV yeah. movie parody? But obviously, kind of watching it now, you think, oh, it's a bit cringe. Not 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 the most PC film going. They think he was he was he was um, exposed to asbestos building on building sites, working for his father as a teenager. Oh god! So okay. literally before his adulthood started, he was like a ticking time bomb. Oh no! That's no, horrible, isn't it? You see, if you work in the building trade or you see on the docks in, in that particular era, obviously there isn't the awareness that there is now. Yeah, and it is like a single exposure thing. Mm-hmm. But you know, you you can get lucky, but you might not. <clears throat> is that Frank Oz? I th- always thought it was Frank Oz. Yeah, it might be cameo. Because so, um, hang on, Frank Oz. I was a bit surprised when he turned up in Knives Out, although that was a whole kind of. That was a cameo, uh, literally. Well, yeah. Hang on a second. I'm still looking for it. Did you know Dan Aykroyd's actually a member of the Academy? Oh, is he now? Yeah. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me. He would be in obviously the actors branch, yeah. He might even be in the writers branch as well. Yeah, and uh, and I know which one he's going to be voting for because he talked about it. He said like, uh, which okay. one he's probably going to vote for best picture. What did he say? Uh, what's the time in uh, Hollywood? Fair enough. He said like, yeah, that's that's just a great picture. So I've got a feeling that's going to do well. I, that might so that might hit. I think we're, we're discussing off air what might 
win Best Director yeah. or Best Picture, that could be Best Picture, I think. For Yeah, the... well, the, the thing is, the buzz around that film is growing, even though it came out yeah. several months ago. I'm hearing more talk around it now, so I don't know. I think the 1917 is, will likely win some technical awards, and that could ex- that could extend to director just because the logistics of that film are so complicated that it would have had to be, it has to be um, so detailed in its planning and in um, vision and logistics and everything else, and just the marshalling of all that as you go along. But you do get um, you do get sort of split yeah. casts, uh, split awards sometimes. Yeah, Frank Oz is the corrupt cop. Yes. Yeah. This film really kicks into gear where Jamie Lee Curtis turns up. Yeah, it really does. Don't forget that she's in it. Like, oh yeah, Jamie Lee Curtis. <clears throat> where she gets the boobs out. Yeah. <laughs> That is a very famous shot in cinema history, actually. The first time, not the second time. The one in front of the mirror. There's loads of boobs coming up in this as well. Back at the apartment. I've been waiting for you, Billy Ray. So get ready for Chris to lose the power of speech. I, I think if you suddenly got wealth like this, it probably would go to your head like this. But it probably would. Well, yeah, bear in mind, he's been, like, homeless for, well... However long. Yeah. And now he's got the absolute best of everything. So, yeah, I think I think there'll be, like... Well, I I think... He, I was going to say part of him, but I think he's probably thinking, this, this ain't going to last and to kick me out, like... Yeah. You know, the one stood next to him now is the one that's waiting in his bed yeah. later, and waiting for your Billy Ray. <laughs> yeah, he comes to regret this cocktails, but it. it I, I do like how, like, I'll, I'll, I'll straight away he starts to appreciate of like. <laughs> Fire things. And yeah, he's like, immediately actually, no, this is... like, this isn't right. You can't retreat in a place like this. I, I can hear the music from this in my head. I remember what the it, music sounded it, like. It, from it's bit. proper generic disco. Uh, yeah, I know. <laughs> disco, disco. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Look at the fire, Billy Ray. Throwing up the bathroom downstairs. Downstairs, downstairs. Oh no! Oh. Yeah. Look at the even bottles in the corner there. It's just like they downstairs, have got an industrial amount of drink. It just goes, you know, the whole kind of like nature versus nurture, really, isn't it? It's like, oh, if, if you've come from money and that's what you've grown up, that's what you've grown up with, and that's fine. But well, we never learn Winthorpe's background, but he is well spoken and stuff. So the mm. chances are he does come from some degree of. Oh, of course, life. yeah, no, he's, he's very erudite. Mm. Well, some more boobs. <laughs> I haven't got to it yet, Chris. You're on pal. Oh, I must he's be. Skipping. He's he's just asking who the hell's dropped this cigarette. <laughs> hey, 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 hey! Have you people ever heard of coasters? That's where we are. And now, um, 
Denim's walking around with party food. <laughs> Would you like some more whores duvets? Whores <laughs> duvet. Excuse me. I believe some of them have adjourned upstairs. It's like, no judgment. He's got to be fairly neutral, whatever happens. There's boobs. Setting the par fairly high. They, yeah, they all suddenly decide to be topless while they're dancing. <laughs> Fair enough. Again, it's that really enthusiastic movie dancing look. I'm I'm looking at the uh, the uh, the lyrics to the uh, to the music and the subtitles, and it's if you want to funk, let me show you how. Yeah, it's oh, not right. my version of the subtitles. <laughs> the song is all the dialogue is. You could probably put make it make it last all night from few hours only over this one. See what happens. The <laughs> guy in the app there dancing. Boobs. Yeah, all done with the boobs now. They're leaving. Boobs. You've just got to wait for like Jamie Lee's in a while. Must, how heavy must all those coats be? Oh my god! I thought you, I thought you meant how heavy must all those. Be? Yeah, how all those boobs be? <laughs> Let's weigh them individually. Way! <laughs> then Elliot is there going, oh. <laughs> good night, sir. Good night, brother. Not boobs. <laughs> Hurry up. Yeah, that's it. The two guys that threatened him have just left. He has just left. Cold out there today. So, yeah, it took basically one night out for him to like actually settle into this role. I'll straighten up. He'll be up all night doing that. Yeah, they should just have a Christmas tree in every film, just in one shot, so you can just pick any of them for a commentary. <clears throat> See, it is a Christmas movie. This is, yeah. It is right around Christmas. Meanwhile... Meanwhile, yeah. Meanwhile, in the jail. Oh, he looks well beaten up as well. I haven't got to him yet. We're just about to see him. Actually, well. Ouch. Yeah. yeah. You wouldn't. You just. You wouldn't know what to do, would you? Crunchy. Yeah. I'd, I'd, uh, I think in 1983, if I'd not seen any adverts for this, I wouldn't immediately know that was Jamie Lee Curtis under under that. Yeah, you wouldn't, would you? No. She was a big star for a few years. I suppose the last really big thing she did, True Lies, I suppose, isn't it? What, when she was... Uh... Well, I suppose Halloween. Yeah, still niche appeal, though. They don't take massive, yeah. massive money. Um, yeah, True Lies. I suppose A Fish Called Wanda did pretty well worldwide. That's a great film. She's great in it as well. Well, she's great uh, at comedy, really. 
Yeah, this is brilliant all the way through. Kevin Klein's the star on top form. Kevin Klein's the star of that film. If you've not seen, I think Kevin Klein and also Michael Palin. If you've um, if you've never seen it, folks, A Fish Called Wanda, 1988 British film, John Cleese wrote, and um, yeah, it's got Kevin Klein in it and Jamie Lee Curtis as well. And Kevin Klein plays a right fucking aggressive idiot in it, and he's really funny. And Michael Palin's in it as a guy with a really really bad stutter. He's brilliant. He's the fantastic role. Yeah. Revenge. Revenge. Yeah. And his character. And, and uh, John Cleese's character is called Archie Leach. Yep. Full name of. Cary Grant. Cary Grant. Mm. Fun fact. And his daughter is called Portia. Why did they name her after a car? That was one of his questions. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great line. The London Underground is not a political movement. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, his character is oh he's so aggressive, but he's just so dumb. Oh my gosh. You think Clarence Beaks could one one be less obvious about it than standing right there doing like thumbs up. He's like, yeah. And, not, and not also look way. a bit less like Inspector Gadget. God, look at his hair. It wasn't heroin, it was angel dust. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why they're going to such lengths to ruin him I suppose they're trying to see if he has a criminal reaction aren't they I guess Uh, so yeah I don't know I I guess it's like do do a job I think do it properly because I think uh, they have to really get him to they can't have him come back you know, do you know what I mean? You can't have him like sort of. I think it. I think it is. How quickly can we make him so desperate he'll commit crimes yeah. and stuff like that? I think it is part of the bet. But I always kind of forget that part of the bet, and I'm just like, well, you've already thrown him out of the job, and he's on the street. I mean, oh. he was pretty. He was pretty fucked already, to be honest. Have we ever seen that woman in anything before? She she does look like a bit of a Anna O'Toole kind of. She doesn't really look like Anna at all to me. A bit, bit more Daphne Zuniga or someone like that. She does look a bit like that. Yeah. What's she called? Uh, what's the character called? Hang on. Um, I forgot what the character's called. Hang on. Coleman Winthorpe and... And of Duke. Kristen Holby, Penelope. Uh Born 1951, so she was in her 30s around here. She's from Oslo. All right. Oh, no, she was born in Oslo. She's only done two films, that and Manhunter. Two credits, that and Manhunter, that's it. What happened? Did Did she decide acting wasn't for her or...? What did they decide she wasn't for it? I don't know. Sorry, love. Jamie Lee's the biggest star. Right. I've just gone to... She was a model for... Ah, maybe that's why. She she married uh, Dr. James Darnell uh, and his mother. She probably just married and thought upselled, I think. I thought, yeah, that's it. um, Through her marriage to physicist Sebastian White. Oh, Married in 84. In the early 90s, she retired from modelling and relocated to Larchmont, New York, where she met her current husband, James Edwin Darnell Jr. 
She established a brand of women's dresses and opened Clotilde the Dress Shop in Larchmont, New York. Wherever that is. Well, it's in New York, obviously, but I don't know the whereabouts in the state. I didn't know. 18 miles northeast of Manhattan. All right. Oh, well, congratulations. Yeah, if you're listening, love. <laughs> she can join the many ranks of, of listeners to our show. Mm. Listening to the Queen and Michael Aspel and. <laughs> <laughs> We attract a diverse audience in our, in, our, in our heads. I think now is as good a time as any for the Queen to listen to our show. Give her a bit of respite. Yeah. And she can enjoy a range of classy films. Yes. <laughs> I think the Queen would love coming to America. <laughs> <laughs> Police Academy. <laughs> I think that might be her favourite. One does especially like the man who makes the funny noises. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> One especially likes the little tower. What a fucking fuss over nothing, though. All that press around them at the moment. Oh dear. That's what the press does mostly. Fuss over nothing. Card? Yeah. Excuse me. <laughs> right, he's Roger, just Roger. on the floor. That's yeah. where we are. Roger, Roger. That was, the, that was the odd throw to the floor I've ever seen. It was life. very strange. Well, he's not a stunt man. I think we can tell. <laughs> he needs to kind of decide if his eyes closing up or not as well. But other than that, he's putting in a good performance. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. It's sometimes wide open, and then it's like he can't open it. Yeah, it's like making yeah, my. He's gone back to the other now. Yeah. They're done. 30 odd years on. 40 years on. Please sort it out. Isn't, isn't Jamie Lee Curtis technically like British nobility now or something through her marriage to Christopher Guest? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> I was just uh, the the um, clothing they put them all in is just spot on because that just yeah. feels yeah, doesn't it? What he's wearing. Kind of string really best. mismatched, yeah. Whatever they could find, yeah. Never done a day's work in your life, yeah. And a manicure. They couldn't have cast any of these roles better, actually. They could have cast Richard Pryor, would have been about as good, yeah, but. Yeah, I mean, how old would he have been by now? Yeah, no, he would have been all right. He'd been in his early forties. He could have just done it, just about done it. But yeah, yeah but again, you have to cast like someone who is like a similar age, wouldn't you? And yeah, I, th- and I think it works when they're younger. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Uh, Richard Pryor was should have been in Blazing Saddles. Mm. Yeah, he did miss out on a few things. I think the studio were nervous over his drug habit, to be honest. Sure. Because he took an industrial amount of drugs. Hmm. 
Yeah, I've got no sense of... I don't know enough of the geography of New York. I'm not quite sure where they are. But yeah, I, I keep trying to do it because I've been there a couple of months. I have been there, but it's a long time ago. Yeah. I don't recognise that building, but... Uh, the one they've stood in front of, yeah. Was it actually filmed like, in Philadelphia? No, this is meant to be New York. Oh. Because they work on the New York stock exchange. Of course isn't they it? do, Sorry. Isn't it? It is, isn't it? It's meant to yeah. be. Yeah. It does get confusing, because I think it, gets, it starts in Philadelphia and they kind of get the train. Yeah, they flip between the two, obviously, because it's in the stock exchange, isn't they? so... Right. That's probably what's confusing me, to be honest. Yeah, sorry, that's the same. That's how it looks. Yeah. Well, because obviously we saw, yeah, Rocky earlier. Can you mm. imagine, like, sort of being in this position of just, like, having to sort of walk into, like, a job like this? Not Do you know, what it, you know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of the episode of Black Books when Fran went to work for that company and no one had any idea what they were doing, what the job was and what they were doing. And, like, she was asked to give a presentation at one point, and she just gets up and just some, says some generic shit about us being a company and drawing circles and stuff. Mm. And then she gets her own team, who she just shouts at the whole time, and that's it. She takes a job, and no one explains to her what the job is, and it's kind of hinted that they don't actually know. <laughs> well, Bryden's in that episode. Oh, yeah. I need to rewatch Black Books. Yeah, me too. It starts really strong, the first episode, where he ingests the little book of calm. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It's so good, isn't it? He should make another series, I reckon. The episode I really, really loved of it is where um, (laughs) Manny, it's his birthday, and he gets bought a coffee machine and a box set of the Sweeney, right? So he's had a massive, like, caffeine infusion. So he's up day after day, and he kind of starts losing his grip on reality. So he he ends up dressed as a 70s cop, kind of. Uh, Then he he gives chase to some bag snatcher or something, but he hasn't thought about what happens when he catches up with him. So when he catches up with him, he suddenly sort of goes... Right, it just runs past him. <laughs> but then he ends up, at, he ends up at the station, and they think he's a cop too. So he's invited in on like interviews, <laughs> and, and the guy who was the first commissioner in the Dark Knight trilogy, no, he he was he's he's British, and he said um, he says something like, "I'm bad cop, you're good cop." So he says, "All right then." So they're sat interrogating this guy, and he's giving it, you know, you this, that, and the other. And then he look. He looks at Manny, and Manny just looks at him and says, "You have beautiful eyes <laughs> and stuff like that." It's funny. It's a really funny episode. <laughs> Why don't we all go out for fondue? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. As I... Brits, we never got this. Every t- every TV show or film you watched in the eighties where anyone went to a store, they came out with it all in brown paper bags that look a nightmare to carry. Uh, yeah, I was about to say, I don't think I can imagine carrying it. Like, I'd just end up dropping it all. Or... Yeah. No, that's a bit of a nightmare. Yeah. But then that was a separate job as well. Like, in the grocery, you have, like, packers. and they, you Yeah, you'd have, have to somebody pack. to pack them for you. Yeah. I don't think so much now, but I think now things are heading back to becoming more environmentally friendly. People are choosing the paper ones. What I don't get is, you can have, like, a bag if you pay for them here. And it's like, just fucking make them out of someone else. Well, <laughs> Do you know what I mean? 
here's well, a that... shit ton of plastic. We're not going to do anything to to replace it. We're just going to charge you for it. It has cut consumption. It think... really has. Or you can pay like 50p for long yeah, life bags or whatever. So. whatever. But then people just fork out money for them each time. Yeah, that's yeah what still I... people, you know, I, yeah, I'd say I quite often buy occasionally, so. Yeah. It's, um, it's weird. You just think... There, there, there are more sort of degradable things you could make them out of. Mm. I think the last thing I think some places I think Aldi started doing it. I think Co-op uh, originally did it, uh, or originally uh, started to do it. But um, yeah. they have like actual plastic bags that are like degradable now. Yeah. So it's yeah. like what I was trying to think: why didn't everyone just use them now? And then in a, in, in a callback to our "Never Seen Ever Again" episode, you can see her nipples there. <laughs> <laughs> It's, it's it's like the tease, isn't it? Yeah. <clears throat> See you next Wednesday. See you next Wednesday. That is a side. That is a that is a reference in every John Landis film. So just beside her there is a poster for a film called See You Next Wednesday. <laughs> it was a script he wrote. Landis wrote in like film school or something like that that never got made, and it's a reference he puts in every film. And um, I mean, in American Werewolf in London, for example, it's the film showing at the porn cinema. At the end of the film, see you next Wednesday. Is the film showing? Oh yeah. Um, yeah, it's kind of like a three joke, isn't it? See. Yeah. I can't remember where it is. There's a film of his where it's on the subway somewhere, but I can't remember which film that is. Might be coming yeah. to America then. Might, but yeah, I think it is coming to America. It's on the subway where he goes down to try and get her to, yeah, come back to him. Yeah. His eyes back to close now, Becca. Yes. <laughs> oh dear. It... It's silence for the breasts. <laughs> she was actually very faint for her body. Not not her beauty as such, but her body when she was at her peak. But um, yeah, that's quite a famous shot in the in the film. But um, well, she is as an actress. Yeah, she is quite iconic as well, obviously because of her heritage and heritage as well. Yeah. Um. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, sounds obvious, but for those of you who don't know, she's the daughter of um, Tony Curtis and um, Janet Lee. Hence, Jamie Lee Curtis. Yeah, Jamie. Oh. I remember quite quite late in his life when his health wasn't very good, and he was like marrying and dating much younger women. Um. The doctor said to Tony Curtis something like, it could be very dangerous if you keep having sex. And Tony Curtis replied, well, if she dies, she dies. Oh, gosh. He's <laughs> <laughs> quite a character. On a side note, if... Oh, I can recommend Knives Out. That's a really good film. Jimmy Curtis and cast are top fine form of that film. That's got a really... If you've not seen it yet, go and check it out. This film sort of reminded me of Superman Three, where uh, like the guy who has no um, experience in this is literally sort of like tell, telling them what's happening yeah. to, to like two to like yeah. two old guys who's like been in the yeah the on the ground explanation <laughs> behind the theory yeah um but where he gets just check out at sixty four it's like that's a complete fucking guess because he wouldn't know what what. It represents a lot. 
But apart from that, it's fine. Yeah. Well done, William. Got lifty chairs. I love the fact he's really like pissed about it, pissed off about it. Like because it's a dollar. <laughs> he's gonna lose a dollar. I yeah, I think so. It's not really about that, it's just about losing. Yeah, no wonder. The lift chair, yeah. They've just walked out of the lift now. Yeah. It's just caught up with them. It, it does... It is bizarre, the idea, though, that you could walk it. He runs... Winthorpe ran the firm. <laughs> yeah? They've just got him off the street. And because he knows, like, a, a little something about how life works... He's like as good as Winthorpe instantly. This always feels, you know, it's a royal knockout or something. You know, like the royal family really love like real tennis. The one where, you know, yeah. that, that, this, this is what this set seems like. Although they sing pleasantly enough. But yeah, these people are not that much fun. And I don't know what that's meant to be, because that, that looks, to, in our sort of parlance, that looks like cricket wear, doesn't it? It does a little bit, yeah. It's probably like vars tennis. varsity colours or something. Yeah. It's probably sort of like cricket or tennis, you know, posh sports club. Obviously, I'd say tennis. Charlie's just posted, if you got one of those Gwyneth candles and used it like Amber in Jurassic Park, you could probably clone Brad Pitt. Oh, gosh. <laughs> that's, uh, for those listening down the line, that's the news that you can pay 50-odd quid and get a candle that smells like Gwyneth Paltrow's vagina. I don't know who did the fucking well, well, smell taste on that. You could end up with a clone that's half Brad Pitt, half Chris Martin. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't know why you'd want that. <laughs> no. I don't know why you'd want a candle that smells like that. And I don't know how they... I mean, how did she give them samples? Go, go in with a tissue, there you go. I try to think. If you'd like to whiff Gwyneth Paltrow's vagina, write to us and expect us to talk at gmail.com. But it seems like that's the sort of thing porn stars do, you know what I mean? We yeah. go buy like a fleshlight that's the shape of somebody's private, famous as private parts or something, I, I imagine. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like pussy candle, isn't it? Yeah. My pussy is lit. Literally. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that reminds me of those uh, scream rant pitch ones where he describes everything good as tight. <laughs> My pussy is tight. <laughs> yeah. 
Scream rants. Um, they do these movie pitch sketches that are funny. Get them on their YouTube pages. They're only about five minutes or so, and it's the same guy, both sides of the conversation. It's really funny. Oh, yeah, they always do like sort of the wide eyed. Yeah, and it's always, yeah. uh, it's going to be super easy, barely an inconvenience. That line's always in yeah. there. Uh, he always describes something as tight, as uh, a positive. As and, a positive. And, and is it? No. <laughs> Yeah. Great. <laughs> what, why? Because that works. Because <laughs> yeah. um, they had one for the new Star Wars film, and then I went back and saw they had them for all the Star Wars film, and I disappeared down a hole of watching like all of them, <laughs> or nearly all of them. Now this is the real. We're coming to the festive Christmassy portion of the film. Oh, it's actually. Yeah, he turns up in a... This is getting close to the Santa outfit bit, isn't it? Yeah, Pretty we should sure. be getting there. Actually, I forgot he turned up once to look in the window without. I thought he was going to turn up as Santa then, to be honest. Who's that guy talking with the beard? I recognise him. He was in Goodfellas, wasn't he? Um, wasn't he the guy... The balding guy who got like loans from the mob. Oh yeah. And he was like force fed his wig towards the end or something. It looks like the same guy. It, it, look familiar. it looks a bit like him. Or it looks like him and Tim Curry had a baby. <laughs> Might not be him, but it kinda of looks a bit like him. Does look familiar. Yeah. The Russian wheat harvest isn't going to be as bad as everyone thinks. What an outstanding professional he's become in a few days. <laughs> he learns quickly. I don't want to knock the film. I love it. Which bit are you up to now? Right, we are at... Uh, she's leaning in to whisper in his ear. And just winked at him. She looks like the sort of person who would have been in, like, Dallas and stuff like that. Very, yeah, like very, like that. very <clears throat> generic, o- overdressed, you know, 80s woman. Right. Uh, she, it's just gone back to Louis, and he's got, like, a temperature, and she's just about to whip him out again. <laughs> Can you imagine how he was offered the job? We think you'd be perfect as someone who frequents prostitutes. Would you <laughs> like that role? But you're a bit sappy with it. You take flowers and all that kind of shit. What do you reckon? Yeah, yeah. Sounds, <laughs> sounds very me. We have the breasts. More breasts. Yeah, well, about to anyway. But yeah, this this film really, really made her a... Well, I get Halloween, but again, most horrors a little bit niche. This film made her a big star. 
Yeah, because I think kind of like showed she could do something else, and it was like, oh, great. Yeah. Um... What I know her best from, apart from this. Oh, Halloween kills and Halloween ends. Right, so yeah, knives it out, obviously, and all the various Halloween films, but Oh, The Tailor of Panama. Do recommend that to anyone. Yes, that's a really good film. I've only seen it once. It may not be as good as I remember, but I remember it being brilliant. And, I've yet to uh, see it. Pierce Brosnan is wildly charismatic in it. Yeah, he's really good in it. Just far better than he ever was as Bond. Uh, yeah, True Lies. Uh, she was in Freaky Friday, My Girl, Fish Called Bonder. Perfect. That was the... Um, Oh, no, that's Staying Alive. That was the Saturday Night Fever sequel. The Perfect was a bit laughed at as well. I haven't seen that many of the Halloween films, to be fair. I've only seen three or four of them. It's not really my thing. Although Halloween's great, but, the you know, the, the series as the whole as a whole and endless horror sequels are not really my thing. So she was about 24 here. Yeah. Actually, but that buffet actually does look pretty good. <laughs> the only problem is it does take something away from Eddie Murphy when he has to be fairly serious for this long. Do you know what I mean? It, you, yeah. you can't have you can't have him playing it this way for too long. You have to have them getting on to whatever the scheme's going to be. Because he's just become the ultimate professional now. Although he does question Clarence Beek's things now, so the plot is moving on. Where do you reckon he got a Santa outfit from? God knows. I don't know where he got his other outfit from. (laughs) Um, Discount shop. Yeah. There you go. That went well. Yeah. <laughs> the whole Clarence Beaks thing. Whenever I think of Clarence Beaks, I always think um, the bit where he's on the phone. Excuse me. Fuck off. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> yeah. Why are you trying to get whole salmon down your front? Yeah. And then I just always imagine that sort of rough fake beard here. Getting yeah. all matted into it and stuff. Turn around and checks to Mr. Clarence Beaks. Okay. Hey, we're only three months from a Bond film. Less than three months from so. exciting, yeah, like 80 days, something like that. Nothing less than the greatest film ever made will do. You know, it'll just be fine, yeah. Hope, hopefully, good, yeah. They seem excited about it, but you know. They, they seem like they feel that they've made something a bit special, but I don't know. 
you can get you can be too close to a property yeah. and don't really know what you have anyway. Christ, I remember before Batman Superman, I was hearing how there were standing ovations for screenings of it, and it was fucking dreadful. Oh, you always hear that, though, don't you? Yeah. Um, similarly with The Dark Knight Rises, which is comfortably the weakest of those three films. It's not terrible by any means, but it's the weakest of those three. Um, yeah, so it, it doesn't actually prove anything, but they are all a little bit more animated and positive this time. So I don't know. But I suspect there'll be things in the film that will be a bit love it or hate it. That's the thing. Yeah. We'll see. Plays desperate quite well. I haven't seen John Aykroyd in anything for a long, long time. No, he's he doesn't do it do anything these days. Alright. Well, I'm presuming he's gonna be in Ghostbusters this year, but yeah, he's doing something in it, um, but I think he mostly does like cameo stuff or because he 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 he's, he's mostly doing his like um, Crystal Skull vodka thing. What's that? He's got a vodka yeah. brand, does he? Yeah, yeah, and uh, I know of course he's like really, really into his like paranormal stuff. Right. Just looking at his acting credits, so he's obviously going to be in that. He's, yeah, he has appeared in like the Connors and stuff. Okay, I don't remember him in that Ghostbusters reboot, but he was had a little tiny cameo in yeah. that. Yeah, he was a taxi driver. I mean, the last film I saw him in with any sort of size or, or role that I can think of is Fifty First Dates. He was a doctor in that. He's been busy, but not with a lot. Yeah, if you know what I mean, just appearing bits and pieces and. Okay. I mean, he doesn't know us anything. Oh, God, remember the Blues Brothers 2000? Yeah. How bad was that? I've not seen that. It's not very, it's really not good. I wouldn't even bother because it's not. Well, yeah, you just don't see what's the point. You're not likely to. I mean, he's 22 years old now as well. It's like, because it, it didn't come out in 2000, it came out a year or two before. Yeah. It really wasn't good. Um, I didn't expect it to be as good as the original, but it's just, it's, it's like, oh my God, what have they done? That bad. Yeah. But not... It's not... I don't know. It's not amusing bad. It's not... I, I don't know what you would get out of it, to be honest. I wouldn't bother. Yeah. Um, it, it certainly didn't do anything for me. But, yeah. Apparently, it's like nothing but troubles movie really bad. What's not, What's that? Sorry. Nothing but trouble. What's that? I think it's, it's got it's got him, John Candy, Chevy Chase. I don't think I've seen that. I could be getting it wrong, but basically he plays like a, like an old like judge. Oh, I see it. Nineteen ninety one. Yeah. Who the hell is? Who's who's the one made up as an old guy? Uh, Dan him? Yeah. That's him, is it? That does look pretty awful. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. All right, so we're starting to get to the meat of this plot yeah. now. It's um, yes. Uh, well, certainly in the, sort of towards the final act. He's just overheard what they are doing, or he's hearing it now. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. And, and it's, made, it's made clear we've got to return Valentine to the ghetto. Mm. I don't want Winthorpe back after what he's done. So it's like they're just going to keep. Hold on a minute. Do you really? Yeah. So. One is MD. The N word. Yeah. <gasps> they cannot run. So they're not going to keep him and they don't want Winthorpe back. So they're both going to be ruined. Until we get the crop report. So that, crop that, report. that might give Parents them a, it out. It's it's insider trading, isn't it? If you've got you know, if you've got knowledge of the market no one else has, that's inside trading. training. It is, yes, inside trading, yep. Mm. Now I don't know how, because I don't know enough about how it works, but apparently some of the stock market rules were changed in response to this film. Yeah, it, I think it's quite interesting how it pointed out something where they went, we can actually tighten the conditions that led to that. Yeah, they suddenly thought, ooh. <clears throat> he has comprehensively fallen apart now. He can barely do even words. Yeah, he can't <laughs> sort of, he's just literally <laughs> collapsed. Maybe it is for the death of that. I don't have got a clue. <clears throat> It was set up to be that, but obviously they do trade on Wall Street. But then you don't, unless you're actually doing it in person, you don't physically need to be there. I wouldn't have thought that. I can Rocky ran down there. I'm sure he did. Mm. Where where the papers van? You know the early morning run. Yeah, we ran past like the van delivering papers and stuff. This is yes, Philadelphia. I do really like that those old school American buildings. They're great, aren't they? Yeah. It's funny, with a, for a country with a relatively short history compared to ours, you've got some wonderful-looking stuff over yeah. there. Really grand. Yeah. 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 And bear in mind, this country has buildings that are, like, centuries old. Yeah. Um, whereas, obviously, you've got nothing quite that age. But, yeah, I suppose... Uh, oh, pulls the, I remember this. He pulls this out now, doesn't he? It's grim. It's, it's got all the hair on it. No, yeah, yeah. He's done well there, actually, to steal that. But yeah, he's just that's yeah. He probably had bits Fighting of into stuck. his beard. He probably oh, had, that's he probably had bits of that stuck in his teeth and stuff when he yeah. got home from filming that day. Ugh. What? Yeah. <clears throat> That can't taste nice. No. No. And this is where the dog pisses on him. Oh, fuck's sake. Think, could it get any worse? Mm. Nice that they got in a session dog to do that. Yeah. Oh, dear. Hang on, is that a sprit? Is that a border terrier? It might be, you know. That's the breed mm, I'm getting this year. Looks a bit big for a border. It's <clears throat> the breed I'm getting this year. Google it. And of course, the rain. Yeah, it always rains when things are bad. It's like we said before, no one goes bankrupt in good weather. <laughs> no, this is it. It always rains when you know the day. Yeah. I love that he threw it. Yeah, that can't, that doesn't happen apparently. You'd, if you throw a gun to the floor, it's very <laughs> unlikely to do it's that. Probably going to go off. <clears throat> yeah, it's not likely to. And it's a very like sort of Looney Tunes comedic sound as well. Yeah. But Landis always liked that, a little bit of fourth wall breaking and yeah. silly little sight gags. I mean, he was talented. 
obviously there mm-hmm. ended up as a bit, bit of a whiff of scandal around him but and I think him and Eddie Murphy fell out on um, coming to America well I don't know because they, they did make uh, Beverly Hills Cop 3 after that or maybe they fell out on that one then I don't know where that scandal is that he was involved with Charlie's kind of hinted at it referred to it again Twilight Zone yeah. death so it was before this actor Vic Morrow and child extras and a couple of names were killed in an accident involving an out of control helicopter the three were caught under the aircraft when it cast when it was cast uh, when it crashed sorry not when it was cast uh, and then they reported the probable cause of the accident was detonation of debris lading high temperature special effects explosions too near a low flying helicopter leading to a foreign object damage to one rotor blade and delamination due to heat to the other rotor blade separation of the helicopter's tail rotor assembly in the uncontrolled descent of the helicopter the proximity of the helicopter to special effects explosions was due to the failure to establish direct communications and coordination between the pilot and the film director they were, charged, they were charged with involuntary manslaughter. Um, tempted to show that Landis was reckless, had not told the parents and others of the child's proximity to explosives. Oh. Um, and he admitted he violated the California law re- regulating employment of children by using them after hours. Conceded that he was wrong, but denied culpability. Uh, after a nine-month nine month mm-hmm. jury trial, Years afterwards, eighty six, eighty seven, uh, they were they were all acquitted, but right. he was reprimanded for circ- circumventing state of California's child labour laws. And oh dear! Strict, yeah, he had to settle out of court. The parents of the children sued, settled out of court with the studio for two million per family. Vic Morrow's children, one of them being actress Jennifer Jason Lee, also oh. settled out for an undisclosed undisclosed. Um, Oh my gosh. I'm out. And then, so, where did he direct him in? I just read something. I read, it was something to do with, uh, it was an interview with Eddie Murphy where he said they just, they, they didn't get on. No. Um, oh, it was 1990 into, it was coming to America. They fell out on, I think. Sometimes this happens. Yeah. Uh, when asked by Play, was a Playboy interview why he gave the directorial job to Landis instead of directing Coming to America himself. Murphy <laughs> said, "I wanted to help out Landis. I figured this guy sh- give this guy a shot because his career was and it says expletive, so fucked presumably. <laughs> he wa- uh, but he wound up expletive me. <laughs> I don't know why." <laughs> Uh, fucking him, I don't know. But Murphy continued, and he became a horror on set to Murphy. As it turned out, John always resented that and gone to his Twilight Zone trial. I never knew that. I thought we were cool, but he'd been harboring it for a year. Every now and again, he would make little remarks like, you didn't help me out, you didn't realise how close I was to going to jail. And um, I don't want to say who was guilty or innocent, but if you directed a movie and two kids, children get their heads chopped off, 
at at 12 o'clock at night when there ain't supposed to be kids working and you said action then you have some sort of responsibility so my principals wouldn't let me go down there and sit in court that's just the way i am murphy claimed landis tried to bully him on set by telling murphy's co-star shari headley that he was only trying to have a get to know you dinner in the cast to try to sleep with her he also accosted two of murphy's writers on set um i'm trying to get to just the main bits Uh, yeah, made trouble between M. Murphy and some of his writers about money. Um, yeah. And the story continues when Landis comes to Murphy's trailer after the incident to make, as Murphy put it, this big speech. Um, his voice was trembling and it all came out that he didn't think I was talented. The only reason he did coming to America was for money, that he didn't respect me. I hadn't gone to his trial and all this shit called me ignorant and i don't know what that was because it's a swear word i'm sitting there shattered i'm thinking this fucking guy i bent over backwards to get this guy a job he probably won't even acknowledge what happened he didn't realize that his career was um washed up yeah so mm-hmm. they they obviously did work together a few years afterwards but there you go there yeah you go. It, took, it took him a while yeah absolutely <laughs> how weird isn't it mm. very strange but what, why is Landis pissed at Eddie Murphy? Because like, what's what's what what can he can do about what can what? he do about a trial a trial for a film he wasn't even on? Yeah, unless he just thought they were friends and figured that he deserved some kind of support. Yeah, um, just seems a little bit irrational. But that's one side of the story, obviously. But the the side is that he he um, tried, you know, to. To pick it up and um, ridicule Lady Murphy. That is the worst fucking gorilla I've ever seen. It's awful. It is a guy in a suit. It's just terrible. Even worse than Time is a Forever. Uh, yeah, and the 1976 King Kong. <laughs> this, is a cla- they- this is a classic Eddie Murphy character that you would do in SNL. Oh no! This, this is the sort of thing you, you can see him walking onto the sort of set for this bit yeah. and getting around of applause, <laughs> can't you? Merry Christmas! Merry New Year! Merry New Year! That was it. And we're <laughs> and we're creeping close to the awkward bit, which uh... we are about to get to blackface. <laughs> um, such such more innocent times where the, where this wasn't a problem. Yeah. Yeah, we'll, we'll just uh, avoid it now. There's not much we can do about it now. Yeah. Um, I, I think it sort of came from a place of innocence most yeah. of the time. But like, no, like the, when things like this happen, you do sort of have to. I mean, it doesn't excuse it, but you do so have to sort of think. Oh, I mean, it's very much of this time. Well, I just remember seeing the picture of that kid who was a Newcastle fan, and his mum sent him to school dressed as Les Ferdinand. <laughs> <laughs> so he was like mid nineties, wearing a Newcastle outfit with blackface on. Uh, I mean, but... to be fair, the whole, the whole, especially in this film, the whole dress fit is meant to be like, is this is just silly anyway. So that, yeah. that that's the whole spirit of it, is just to be like, this is just a bit ridiculous. Mm. You know, it's not from a offensive kind of vibe, really. But, you know, I can see why people would find it offensive. Obviously. I mean, the worst thing that uh, the worst thing that John Landis ever did is uh, Max Landis, let's be fair. <laughs> mm. 
Yeah. Harsh, but true. But true. Mm. Yeah, yeah. It's not like killing like you know a couple of kids with <laughs> oh, no. on on set of a film. But no, that was negligence. Yeah. Um. And yeah, I. I... Bloody awful, though. You know, kids working at midnight and all that shit. And it's just how one-tracked and selfish he must have got to the point that, like, the only thing that matters is getting whatever shot he wants. Yeah. I know there's pressures with it, but even fucking so. I must say, Jamie Lee Curtis looks kind of hot as a Swedish. She does. She does. Little Heidi's all grown yeah. up. Yeah, she's kind of cute there. Can go from Sweden. But you're wearing Lady Hosen. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> there is something very like uh, lazy porn scenario, about <laughs> this, isn't it? Yeah, I think if you tried to make this film today, you'd also change certain bits. Of course. So they've got the crop report and they've replaced it with the fake one. That's <laughs> brilliant. You did that slightly blowjobby impression, tongue in the cheek, then as well. A bit like. Ooh. Excuse me. I'm <laughs> I feel like I recognise that the guy of those two that's on the left. I don't know. He's just been in various comedies. This film struggles a little bit now because it, it, it's just that bit's great where they like actually swap the case and stuff, yeah. but it really doesn't get going now until they're on um, the floor of the stock yeah. market. It's quite a well thought out plot. Yeah, it's quite clever, actually, isn't it? It starts off as a kind of nature versus nature, nature versus nurture debate. Um, spirals out of control. And they clearly both have something to offer. Hmm. Of course. Yeah. Somebody, one of the people I did recommend nineteen seventeen to yesterday has just come out of it and put masterpiece. Uh, well, yeah, I need to go and see that. Hopefully, I'll try and catch it this That's week. That's what I'm on about with Clarence Beeks. Mendes is a hack. I'm oh, like, fuck cringe. me. What? Jesus, really? What did you just fucking watch? What was that? Uh, well, he came out of the film and, and just said he was frustrated by it. Film of two halves. Mendix is such a hack. Who's, who said that? Just one of the mutual friends on there. It goes under, right. goes under the name Clarence Beeks. And he's just got horrible fucking taste in film. <clears throat> But he's he's one of these people that when he like slags a film, he sounds like it's hurting personally. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I'm starting to get a bit pissed off with it, to be honest. Um, and it, you know we've all got different tastes. That ain't the problem, but it's just the virulence of it. And I think to call Mendes a hack after that film is just wildly misguided. Wildly misguided. But you'll see, you know, a hack implies a certain lack of creativity and also a bit of fucking laziness. Yeah, and um, if there's one thing that film isn't, you know, it, it is. It definitely feels like a passion project because at the end, he does like um, 
uh, dedicate it to one of his family who was obviously in one yeah. of the wars and just said thank you for telling us the stories you know and it's just the work that's gone into it is phenomenal we thought so they have deliberately they've swapped it and then yeah, they, yeah they swapped swap it, it they botched and another they've... swap to I don't know why they did that why did why were they doing another swap? Uh, I I think it's to I think it's to get um get him because well, well that's what I mean. Were they yeah. just trying to draw him out? Yeah. Right. Okay. That's a high risk strategy. But it's full of it's no a part, he, he's a he's a villain. And he's like he's come up and so you know that. Like, yeah. Yeah. Um, so the Duke brothers are gonna like. Yeah. Right. Yeah, because what's the plan here? Yeah, exactly. They've got a gun at their backs, and this, you know, obviously it does all work out. But that was a high risk strategy when you already have what you needed. But there you go. I don't really watch it for the plotting, <laughs> no. although the, the the end scheme's all right. That is the picture, I think. Clarence speaks. Yeah. There he is. That's where the bull get the horns. Oh, he's oh, he's he seems pretty bugging now. Yep. <laughs> Which is the most convincing? The f <laughs> down you go. There, there. I mean, I mean, surely there must be like uh, a place for it for, for it to insert. Surely, <laughs> or it just tears through the costume. Yeah, yeah. Hold on a minute. So just hear a ripping noise. <laughs> <laughs> I can't see things like that in these films without thinking a top secret yeah. when they're when they're dressed as the cow. <laughs> They, there's a point in the film where they're dressed as a cow, right? <laughs> and, and, and on outside shots, it's basically a real cow with splodges of paints on it and Wellington boots. <laughs> and at one point, um, the person who's in the back is desperate to get out of there until, like, a calf comes over and starts, like, milking. It's clearly sucking his dick. And then a bull comes over and just fucks him. <laughs> Top Secret is a Naked Gun style film with um, Val Kilmer from about 1986. Um, it's got a sort of riff on stars going behind the Iron Curtain to perform. Um, and it's got little Blue Lagoon type jokes and stuff like that. And it's, it's pretty funny. Uh, uh, this is probably why they had to like sort of get caught because they, they had to get the money they would have paid of him to make to buy the sorry hang on they had to do what sorry they had to because they were going to buy um, 
they just got paid pretending to be uh, what's his face Clarence Beach yeah yeah so they used the money to buy their shares to kind of do the what they they can't have him turn up there so yeah. they do need to get it I get your point now because right, so he he would just turn up and get paid for the wrong information so but they need the to to win they need the money to stake yeah but but how that plan went wrong I don't know but alright I mean it's fine just looking for the person who liked it yeah there you go Awesome. I'm glad people are enjoying it. 1917 is a really good film, but nothing is for everybody. You know, if you don't get marvel, if you don't marvel at the technical side of it, you may not bond with the characters and stuff like that. So, nothing's for everybody. But it's an incredible feat of filmmaking, and it it adds to the language of like war war cinema. You know, it's added like. Yeah. An, 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 I say, I've, I've not seen it just yet, but if anything, all, it looks like all, a worthy entry into you know war it's, cinema. It's, <clears> all, <throat> it's, all, it's, all, it's all forward momentum as well. And while Faux Takes been done, Faux One Takes been done before. Um, certainly, when it's a, a whole film, it normally comes off as deeply fucking pretentious. Uh, and I here, think with the director like Mendes, who can. I can't see the film actually made any other way for for the same impact now, which is the probably the biggest compliment I can give it. You know, who knows, it might win fuck off, but it was... Um, well, hopefully, uh, hopefully it won't, hopefully it'll win. It'll win so, something. Yeah. Cinematography, makeup. Trouble is, cinematography always gets interpreted as pretty. What's pretty? Hmm. I've made it's that mistake in the subjective. past. Best cinematography, Your Majesty's Secret Service. Well, what I actually said meant was it's the prettiest Bond film. It looks good. Um, the cinematography in this film's astounding. Also, a film like that, if, if it doesn't, they, they've had if to, it wins, um, you know, like best picture or like editing, yeah. actor things like that. It often picks up a lot of like technical awards or like sound, yeah. indeed editing, um, cinematography or you know any sort of technical awards things like that. Visual, visual effects. Yeah. yeah. So that could it, be the way it goes. It, I mean, it, it, even down to like lens choice, because obviously mm. you can fit lots of different lenses for different needs on most films, but they'll have had to go with something that works for like everything because you're not changing camera all the time. And even where there's hidden cuts, you can't suddenly have a different lens on it after that no. cut because it will look different. Um, and that's fine while you're sort of within 10 to 20 feet of them. But when, when you're in... When you do have like uh, more sort of higher shots and distant shots and stuff like that, it's it's still got to work. Mm-hmm. How's the also Harry? It that's the thing. I've I've met a few like former stockbrokers. In my time, you know, they're like financial advisors who used used to live in London and work in, and it just doesn't sound fun. It just sounds like it's really stressful. It sounds unbelievably stressful. Burn the candle at both ends for as long go, as you go. can hack it and then get out. See, this just seems chaos. Like, how can anyone get anything done? 
No, and just shouting and yeah. And it, and it is just basically, it's it, it it always comes off as just basically gambling. Yeah. Well, you are, aren't you? It's kind of risky. You're taking a punt. Well, I mean, it's like when we do have like stock market crashes and they go X billion wiped off like the economy or value, and you just go, none of that's fucking real. Do you know what I mean? Mm. It's all about confidence and demand and shit like that. Yeah. I, I just couldn't imagine being in this environment, to be honest. No. Yeah. I think you really do have to have, like, nerves of steel. <laughs> yeah. How stressful, though. But if you do make a wrong gamble, you can, you know... Yeah, you... you bring down entire companies. Is it... I wonder if it... Yeah. It must be constantly electric, though. You can feel, like, the energy. I mean, but at the same you, time, I wouldn't want to do that job. <laughs> can you imagine Nick Leeson when he brought down Bearings Banks? You know, he oh, must Christ. have been like, oops. <laughs> oops. <laughs> oops. Shit. Well, that, there was that film made about him, wasn't it, starring Ewan McGregor? Rogue yeah, Trade? was it Rogue Trader? Yeah. Yeah, yeah it came, many years ago. It came out the same time as Phantom Menace. Mmm. <laughs> I've held him started for two different reasons. Yeah. Wow, he went to prison for quite a while. You were Gregor? No. <laughs> yeah, he broke down Bear- Bearings Bank, which sweet. I think was wasn't it the like the oldest merchant bank in the world or something? And he just fucking something like that, yeah. Tanked it completely. This went downhill. Here we go. Here we go. Ready? And wait for it. Wait for it. Ding. Yeah, remember in bottom where it was the most underwhelming sound? Here he comes! That's it. And that's it. Yeah. Here it comes! Oh, that's Shatner, wasn't it? Here it comes! <laughs> the context on that, you need to go to our Wrath of Calm review to get... How Nicholas Mayer got like such good performances out of William Shatner, who's a man known for like wildly overacting a lot, a, a lot. million takes. Just, just make him yeah. tired. Again, again. Yeah, keep going till he's tired, and he just says it. So hence, when he directs himself, it's crap. <laughs> Here they go. <gasps> Actually, the logistics of filming this is a bit of pain in the ass. How can you, how can you, how, yeah, how can you like, know what you're taking down? Is it, yeah. yeah, exactly. It'd be a yeah. blur. Yeah. It's just writing any old shit. Yeah, yeah writing any old crap. And, and, and who exactly is it? Yeah, and he's right. So, how yeah. can you pay attention to all that? 200 to the one with the big tits. It's what he's yeah, written, literally. You know? <laughs> the bloke who's balding a bit. <laughs> just, <laughs> yeah. Just clued in. And the president's about to make a, a statement. Quick. That just looks chaos, doesn't it? And also, there's like yeah. one woman. Yeah, it always seemed a very testosterone environment as presented in these things. And this was the 80s, you know. <clears throat> yeah. 
Women's Lib obviously hadn't made it to the trading floor just yet. Not to the trading floor, no. And apart from that one woman. Probably <laughs> the guy one. with the massive pearl. <laughs> probably a lesbian anyway. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been the perception though, wouldn't it? You could do it if you're a bit mannish. <laughs> oh, I've been Chrissy Hind. Right, here we go. With that amazing hairstyle. Hide the stake. It's Chrissy Hind. <laughs> Get on from the, the orange crop estimates for the next year. That's where we are. Chris. Are there orange crops? Mm. So about the orange crops. Were we actually told in this film what the fake? Obviously, we know what the real clock report is going to say now. But did we know what they were doing before that? Oh, I don't know. I don't remember them ever saying it's going to be a load of old bollocks or whatever. <laughs> Not affected the orange harvest, so the fake report must have said it's going to damage it. So they were selling at a. Dun, dun, dun. So they were selling while the price is low. The price is now going to go up. That doesn't make any sense. That can't be right. Unless they were. Oh, they were buying. Everyone else was selling. That's it. So the price is now going to shoot up and they'll sell it all. Go, go, go. What are they doing? So we were, they were buying when it. Yeah, I, I've lost the plot on it, to be honest. Buy him, buy him, buy him. Mm. Sold. So they're selling now. Look how pleased with himself Eddie Murphy looks. <laughs> He's like, yeah, yeah. yeah. Why not? Okay. And why not? Let's do it. <laughs> Thank you. That's the poster there, isn't it, with them two? Oh, yeah. I think it is, yes. There's one of them outside as well. There's a couple, there's two or three different variants. Oh, he's gone down. The original one, when the first, when the film first came out on VHS, I can't speak for cinemas because I don't remember. You had that artwork of them stood in front of mirrors. Yeah. Do you remember the picture I'm on about? I think so. Hang on, I'll, I'll share it with you on the messenger feed if I can find it. In places, uh, artwork. We'll just call it artwork, and I'll see what I can find. Yeah. Uh-huh. It is. <coughs> Open image in new tab. There we go. This what I'm about to send now is what was on like the DVD and yeah. uh, not DVD home video and stuff. It wouldn't have been DVD. In fact, I'm old enough that DVD video was still fairly fucking new. Yeah. Um, where's our feed gone? I've just lost it. Someone send me a message from the main feed. Uh, to say hello or something. I'll respond to that. There we go. Oh, you got it. Yeah, I got Sometimes it. Sometimes, if it's not used for a while, it goes. Down I had the that the other. I had that the other day. I definitely didn't delete oh, it. Oh yeah, that one. One dollar. Thank you, Lewis. I like the fact that you. <laughs> one dollar. <laughs> Was he the guy in? I don't. I don't think he was, but I've seen him in something. He looks a bit like he should be playing Lenin in a biopic. <laughs> <laughs> Young Lenin. I recognise that guy as well. The one that's just been talking to. Him. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. Sorry. How anyone buys them as real gorillas, I do not know. I'm not at that yet. They're still talking to. Oh, they're still I'm talking to, to Tim Curry, Morty from Goodfellas guy. Tim Curry. <laughs> Who is he? Who is that guy? 
Look him up. It is a mighty fine beard, though, isn't it? Lennon lookalike. It, it's a beard he sat down and thought about. Probably done some sketches as well. I'm thinking a bit like this. What do you think? This one, please. He's the original Tony Stark. He really is. Yeah. Probably not even listed. I don't know. It depends whether there's a photo of him and when it was taken. Because Don Amici, as a young man, does not look the same. Uh, I'm still looking. I may find it in a minute. May not. Arlene Sorkin was uncredited in this. She was the voice of Quinn for years. Oh, Al Franken. Of course. Is Al Frank? Where was Al Franken? He's the one of the um, baggage handlers. Right. Apparently, he still receives royalties to this day. Cool. Go diddly. That's that's the one I said I recognised then. It was a very young Al Franken. So there he is. That was him. I didn't recognise it was him. Went on to be a US senator. And Bo Diddley played the pawnbroker. Legend. Lobster or crack cab, I don't know. Why do people's tastes always go really posh as soon as they got money? Why are they not having fucking super noodles or something? <laughs> Pot noodle. <laughs> crack an egg into it, my good man. <laughs> I like it when it sticks to me gums. <laughs> He's wearing like, the most 80s jumper ever. That's how I have my super noodles. What the fuck is he wearing? In fact, both of them are wearing very... Yeah, it's 80s jumpers I mean, Yeah, but he's, wait, wait, he's like wearing them in the Bahamas, though, isn't he? It's like, why would you wear a jumper? Though? Oh, my God, his earrings. Statement earrings. Um, yeah, I don't know. I hadn't really thought about that, actually. They're somewhere really hot, were they? Let's go. Yeah. They seem like they're quite long from wherever the long way from Hawaii? wherever the house is. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> this is quite yeah. funny. Outtake scene. I like the outtakes on the end of films, anyway. It used to be funny. I mean, it depends on the film. I wouldn't want to see a load of like Pratt Falls on the end of The Godfather or something. Yeah. <laughs> Just depend on the film. But they used to be quite funny on the um, Burt Reynolds films and stuff. Yeah, and I didn't work out who that guy was. Uh, President of Exchange. I think it's Alfred Drake. Let's assume it was. He was... In Oklahoma, Kiss Me, Kate, Kismet. Oh, no, we, no, they weren't on screen. That was theatre. Oh, it's Giancarlo Esposito from Breaking Bad. Was he in it? He was cellmate number two or something, apparently. I didn't Oh, right, it, so he was one of that. Did I see it in this one? How about that? He wasn't in a vast <coughs> cinema, the guy in question. Uh, so, yeah, I, it just reminds me of people, I think, more than anything else. Did more theatre than anything else. I feel old. <clears throat> uh, well, you're, you're actually in your prime, given because <laughs> you come, oh. you are the, you're the incumbent Batman. You're over halfway through the year. How's our crime rates going? Because uh, Chris spectacularly failed. <laughs> I've, I've I've inherited, you know, quite the quite the portfolio yes. from from Chris. So basically, you're blaming me for your for your bad rap, <laughs> Lois. 
Yeah, I'm the only one for whom it was a runaway success so far. You had a really good year. I, as well. I had a good year. What's your secret? Eh? What's your secret? I, I don't know, given this is all fictional and I did fuck all. <laughs> uh, Spoiled so, the illusion. Yeah. So, yeah, John Landis just took to making crap after a while. He just he had a hell of a run and then the run just ended. But I suppose that happens to most people at some point. He was in Psycho 4, or one of the sequels. Yeah, but I'm talking about as a director. When yeah. you think he did, when you think he did American Werewolf in London, he did mm, The classic. Blues Brothers, he did this, he did my. Do you think we should do like a John Landis series? No, because, oh, he did Kentucky <laughs> Fried Movies first, Animal Ooh. House, Ooh. and then you get to the Three Amigos and Coming to America, and then it really drops off. Three Amigos terrible... was okay? Three Amigos was all right. And I really like America. Three Amigos. Yeah. But it dropped, uh, but I, I meant, yeah, but after that, apart from... Yeah, this, it sort of drops off a bit, it doesn't it, really? It drops quite badly. Um, yeah, I know he did the Thriller video. Yeah, oh, back in here. Okay. If you weren't around in that time, you, you've got no idea what a big deal it was. Music video was still fairly young and it was just yep. so right. different. Oh, did the remake? Oh, dear, I didn't realise that. Of what? Of um, Beast Brothers, sorry. He did the sequel, Blues Brothers yeah. 2000, which was poor. But yeah. Oh, it turns out the people in this film are fictitious. That's oh, right. Okay. You. Wow, what a relief. Yeah, so that's uh, our Christmas commentary for last year. <laughs> yes, Christmas, our commentary for um, 2019 in 2020. Oh well, we, we've done it now. Uh, coming up next is all the Star Wars stuff to finish off the rankings, and then we move on to John Wick. Yeah, Chris, Chris's turn for the Christmas commentary next year, and we think we know what it is. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah. I, won't, I, won't, seen... I, won't, I won't say what it is, but. Um... Or I will say it will be ice to see you all. Ice to see you. That's right. It's McBain. (laughs) (laughs) McBain. The movie. Going to commentate on that fifteen-second clip from the episode (laughs) of The Simpsons. (laughs) I wonder if somewhere somebody has done like a supercut of all the like McBain or oh, I bet you'd find it. I bet you'd find it. It'll probably be like half an hour long, but. Let me put together all the, all the clips. Di- yeah, you can normally get all these things cut together with anything. You get, um, I mean, even like the fast show, if you want to get like everything cut together from certain characters, you can find... Like, there's a super cut of the Bond movies, isn't there, I think? The full McBain movie, Hidden in the Simpsons in high quality. All credit to goes who, whoever put this together. I don't know if they... That's actually just four minutes though and then there's all McBain clips as of 2017 that's six minutes oh he's only been on screen for six minutes in all those years did he get Mendoza in those six minutes probably not well yeah I would have thought (laughs) he's he's quite successful at what he does clearly Uh, isn't Mendoza like a generic villain name that's used all the time yeah Yeah, a generic villain name yeah gotta get Mendoza Robert Darby wouldn't even lower himself to that. No. For something way more distinctive like Sanchez. <laughs> Sanchez. Yeah. Well, Sanchez uh, is a, is a good villain name. 
it does work actually. It's a pity David Hedison had problems. Better than Mendoza. But um, but yeah, I don't know. God, there's rumours about the Bond again, aren't there? They're, they're absolutely running with the fact it's going to be James Norton now. Yeah, he's rumoured to be the next one. Then doing the theme tune, theme tune, the theme song mm. could either be Billy Eilish or Beyonce. Bit of a contrast. Billy Eilish, Jesus Christ! I can't pronounce her name. Sorry. Stuff because I'm old, but like I am. Um... If she was, she'd be the youngest. Well, yeah, but she's not it's a right four fit. When Christina Wilde came out, it's like choosing Radiohead when they're doing the when yeah. they're doing their kind of yeah, it's like vaguely no offbeat warble. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I like Radiohead, but not they weren't. Well, that song was not right for Bond at all. Yeah. Um, I mean, it makes the Sam Smith song sound really great and appropriate. I quite like the Sam Smith song. I'm all right with it, but I mean, it's not one of the best. And, no. Uh, but it's better than Radiohead. And I, I am a Sam Smith fan. Yeah, I know, but... Nope. I don't think... Okay, it's not one of the absolute better ones, though. And, um, yeah, the Radiohead one was terrible. Beyonce, I'm reading that the rumour of her name seems to come from the fact that there's a picture of her stood next to a martini. Yeah, there's a picture on Instagram. She was, like, sipping a martini, and they like, oh, <clears throat> could this mean? It could mean something, I guess. I mean, I'd be all right with it. Well, time will tell. I sort of don't care, because they don't often get it super wrong. And they only rarely get it super right. So most of the time, songs are right. Every yeah. now and again, it's really, really good. If, if if it's shit, then it's like, oh, it's shit. And the film might be great, good. So fair enough. Yeah, the other, sometimes the, the song shit works in context as well. I mean, like Madonna's song is fucking terrible, but I don't mind the title sequence to that film. Yeah. It's the rest of the film that's dreadful. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it, it was all kind of put together pretty well. Daniel Kleinman's the one I'm more worried about being there. Why? So, what do you mean, why? No, I don't mean like I'm hearing he's not going to be. I just mean oh. that, like he's the bigger factor in whether the title sequence is going to work for me. Of course, yeah, I know. Well, I trust in him. Yeah. Again, Spectres wasn't brilliant, but a lot of that was the momentum wasn't there in the song at all. So, no, again, well, even it's, if it's you like beautiful, the song, though. I didn't like the Spectre one very much. I uh, different callbacks, and I think it just had a different a different vibe. But it was I a think... bit too tentacle porn, wasn't it? Yeah, and it just kind of it was <laughs> just it was just there. Hentai. Whereas like Skyfall had constant forward movement in it. Casino Royale was constantly moving, and I just felt it was just kind of like it was a bit yeah. underwhelming, wasn't it? Because obviously the movie called yeah. Spectre, you kind of think, oh yes, we're going to talk about it now, and it just kind of it's wasn't. But it was still beautiful visually. It's a bit like the world's not enough. Visually stunning. I mean, the worst one of the Craig era is still the one Kleiman didn't do. Yeah. Because he didn't do Quantum Solace. MK2, no, Quantum was a bit... Mm. MK12, MK12, I think it was, did it? Yeah. Yeah, that's the one. That was just... That was just... Yeah, Morris Binder could have done that with a slightly bigger budget. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> um, some Dancing Girls and away you go. Yeah, that's all it really was, Dancing Girls and Sand. And then just sort of wandering around a bit. But... um. Yeah. Silhouettes. I, I don't. I sort of. I don't care who does the theme until I do care. If you know what I mean. And they're like, I've put no thought to it. I'm not interested in the conversation around it. I'm sort of not that bothered. But if they announce someone and I end up thinking they're shit, then that's different. It, it's it's hard to know till anything's actually confirmed. And I'm totally out of fucking date with music. I am like half the acts I get named. I've I've either heard nothing or almost nothing. I mean, obviously, I've had a fair bit of Beyonce. She's been around 20 years. But, like, I, I, I don't know much 
of most people's stuff now. So, like, they name all these people, and I've got to go and fucking look them up, and actually like listen to a couple of bits. And I'm I'm not going to be asked to do that for a load of people that probably won't get the gig. So I don't know. Don't really have a preference. And again, I feel I'm, they'll I'm, pick the right person. They'll either go with somebody who's timeless or it's very much the flavour of the month of the moment. The problem is, you got a woman of sixty and a bloke of seventy fucking eight. <laughs> I, must, I don't really know that I trust their opinions, to be honest, on that that particular aspect. Yeah, well, they'll, they'll reach out to their staff, they? they'll kind of, they they got people yeah. around them. But then it'll be who's hot right now. Yeah, literally, they'll get on to their, um, their assistants or whoever and be like, so, give us the, uh, give us the lowdown. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously, you won't say that, but... And of course, like, Chaz and Dave won't be available now, because, like, one of them died. Sadly, yes. <laughs> yeah, so, I don't know. And there are only two remaining Beatles. Yeah, I w- I wouldn't want Paul McCartney now to be fair. <laughs> I think I think he's he's been there, done that already. Thing is, you you think about what we're going to get through the prism of what we've already had. Mm. Hence, there's a lot of people who would like to have Adele back. Mm, but, she's done it already, though. Well, yeah, I don't. But then Oscar winning. Shirley did a few of them, but yeah, Shirley Bassey, why not? Uh, no, I'm not saying get her in. I'm saying oh, that sorry. like there is there is precedent for people doing more than one. Mm-hmm. So it's possible, but like I don't know. I, I already think they they do too many callbacks in this series as it is. So do you want the same person? I don't know. Hopefully they'll choose somebody fresh and new. What like a baby? Like a baby, yes. <laughs> Just you a could baby do it. wailing. Over Chris the... could do it. Chris could do it. Chris, are you available? Uh, yeah, sure. I'll give it a go. Fair enough. <laughs> Looking forward to it. Excellent. Right. I'll just it, I'll, well, I'll, I'll just learn how to like write write music and you know <laughs> and contact Eon and just go. I don't see a theme <laughs> tune. Just sing into their like voicemail. <laughs> I, I'm thinking it's a bit like this. <laughs> and then you just sing. And instead of the club singer. You Tick tock, tick tock. Oops, I've got no time to die. <laughs> yeah, there is a there is a, there was a Smith and Jones sketch where like he did he, this guy went round Stanley something it was Griff Rees Jones, and he was going around and doing theme tunes for different films or like interviewing for them. So he went round. He did Octopussy and he did he did Gandhi, which was really funny. And what was the other one? Uh, oh, he did Apocalypse Now as well. Oh gosh. Uh, I, I will look it up and post it to you. It's really funny. But anyway, we ought to sign off, haven't we? Yeah, yeah. We just sort of rambled on up. So we, we did. Really, I didn't talk about film either, but there you go. We've done our Christmas commentary. Uh, Merry Christmas, folks. Merry Christmas, folks. Um, we hope you got yeah. what you wanted. We hope you enjoy your um, presents. So there you go. <laughs> Merry New Year. I'm just posting it to you, actually. Hang on. This is the sketch I was on. Oh, yeah, I haven't seen that one. I haven't sent it yet. So you definitely haven't seen it. No. But there you go. There it is. I will see it when you post it. Oh, thank you. There you go. So I'll post that. Anyway, so good night, Merry Christmas, and thank you to everybody who has um, sent in such lovely words over the last few days. There's been a few of you. I don't know what, what's prompted it now, but a few of you have, so thank you. Yes. yes, yeah, just to echo my heartfelt thanks. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen um, and for passing all your kind words. Um, yeah. And, you know, if we've helped you through difficult times. Yeah, yes. Likewise, this has um, all helped us through difficult times. Um, yeah, thank you so much for your kind I, words. I, and 
Yeah, you can. You thank can you, be thank totally... you for allowing allowing us to touch you has touched us. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> previously we were just touching each other, and and well, now touch yourself. Touch... Oh, <laughs> I mean, maybe, maybe most of the time I just touch myself, but yeah. But that, but, but that's a separate thing. Be assured, what I think though, about you. It's yeah. gone right to our heads, and we are now all insufferably arrogant. <laughs> so thank you. <laughs> Anyway, this sketch is funny. Mentioned yeah. in our Christmas commentary in commentary. Yeah, in mid January. So it's <coughs> for the year ahead. Sorry, it's been a bit halting recently, folks. We will get past all that and um, loads and loads of stuff to come. Yes, we've got we've got uh, Fast and Furious coming up as well after John Wick, I believe. Uh, can't remember what's after that, but we've got about the next four or five listed. Yeah, definitely. So, um, yes. Might be the weapon after that, or Spider Man. I can't remember which. Oh yes, I think so. Listed, but then and then we get Charlie back for Planet of the Apes. Yeah, I can't wait. And then I think we do the uh, Austin Powers commentaries. Oh gosh. I don't. I thing is that I, I might get a bit emotional when all the henchmen die. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody thinks about the family of a henchman or something like that. No one thinks of the henchman. It's Rob Lowe taking that call as well. Yeah. Yes, yeah. it is, of course. That's just like SNL plenty, isn't there? There's a lot of that in, in that kind of um, same DNA. And I'm baffled that, like, I, I don't know what, I, I've just slipped into a parallel dimension because, like, Adam McKay's doing stuff like Vice and The Big Short. And, like, yeah. Jay Roach is doing Bombshell. Yeah, it's very odd, isn't it, now? It's kind of gone into Bizarro it's like, World. It's Pretty really flipped. like they, they are totally not working in their comfort zones anymore. No, pushing the boundaries. Yeah, I mean, the last film I saw of Jay Roach's would have been The Campaign. Oh, yeah. Which is Will Ferrell and Zach Galifianakis. Yeah, well, he's doing that of those political ones now after doing the... Uh... Well, he did that one on... Um... Adam McKay. The... Yeah, the, the McCain and Palin thing, didn't he? So. Yeah, so, yeah. I don't, I don't, I didn't see that, actually. But, yeah, anyway... Um... We're really bad at signing off when we're not in our normal continuity and format. Yeah. Because normally we throw it. <laughs> now we're like, tight. It's because we have no fun facts and we just kind of don't know where to go. Yeah, it's just like, so, uh, I was oh, sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> I'll try to be on better form next time. It's if you're not, not full of cold. It's not in that format, so it don't really matter. So, yeah, we are well aware to anyone listening, we're completely wasting your time now. So I'm <laughs> going to stop and say goodnight. Uh, goodnight. And it's goodnight from me. That's goodnight from her. Bye. <laughs>